Hey guys, hey guys, hey guys, hey guys. Book, 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 book. God damn it, I fucking hate doing these so much. You know that I have a book. You know that I'm on tour. You can get all that information at burtburtburt.com. Damn it, just do the podcast already. Today's guest, artist, comedian, actor, friend, Kevin Christie. Fuck! This is... I think that's pretty good. That sounds good to me. Oh, dude, they gave you the cue cards from the late show. That is so boss. Yeah, that is... uh. That's, that's like I always, I was always um, when uh, when I was a young comic, you go into like people's office and they'd have yeah cue cards from like Carson or something yeah, or, and I was always like, guy, that guy's handwriting is so great. I mean, <laughs> I've always wished. Do you have nice handwriting? I do. I bet you do. I have do, exquisite handwriting. Do you really? Yeah. Did you do? I was thinking about this the other day, and I don't know if you did or didn't. Did you do uh, Triple E's cover? No. Who did Triple E's cover? I really. I don't know. Yeah, cover. it came out really good. Yeah, the I type liked looks it. good. I liked. Uh, by the way, I'm not just not to start off my podcast talking about Sam Tripoli, but go get his album. <laughs> yeah, why not? He's Dude, fucking number two on iTunes. So cool. Can I tell you? Uh, I bought it, and in my head, I'm nervous to listen to it because I love Sam. Yeah, and I'm like, I don't know. Like, what if I feel like he hasn't grown much as an artist? What if I feel <laughs> like? What if he says one joke that's close to mine, and I've got to lose it? Yeah. What if like all this within fucking two tracks? I'm. On the fucking three one thirty four, laughing hysterically, going, yeah. "God damn it, man! I never really paid attention to my pacing." It's so fun to watch your friends get great. Yeah, it's the fun. It's my favorite thing when you see your friends get good and they surprise you because uh, you've known them all, forever, and yeah. then all of a sudden you see them. You haven't watched their sets. You don't watch your friends' sets a lot of time, and then all of a sudden you watch them. You are like, "Fucking you, motherfucker!" It's it's fascinating. It's so fun. His his Sam's pacing is so murderous. Yeah. His pacing is set to keep you doubled. Yeah. Like he's, his rate of utterance is, I crush Asian pussy. Yeah. I crush, <laughs> my son's gonna be balls deep in Asian pussy. <laughs> uh, like, I fucking just, his, it's aggressive and it's awesome and it's what I love about him. Yeah. And it's like, if if I could have maybe 10 years ago or whenever I met Sam, I, maybe it was probably like seven, no, it was probably 10 years ago. If I could go back to 10 years ago, tw- 11 years ago, and say, hey, listen, my favorite joke you have is this. Can you keep doing more of that so that in 10 years you get amazing at it? Yeah. He he did it. Yeah. Because like my favorite joke he's ever – one of my favorite jokes ever was his playing basketball at the YMCA with the chick. I've never heard that one. Oh. Oh, man. I'm, I almost want to call him and have him do the bit. <laughs> it was like uh, – he was like – Sam would do it on he, the phone. <laughs> he's like, now let me, let's see if we can get Triple E to do it. Do it real quick. And then I'll release this one early, and we'll still try to pump, pump his. Um, I can't fucking. In the man cave, Kevin Christie. I'm sorry. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, let's see if we can fucking call Tripoli and get him to do a bit. On podcasts, podcasts are funny because it's we're it's a part of show business for people that are in no way qualified to run the technical side of show business. I have him saved under Samuel Tripoli. <laughs> Is he a Samuel? Even we don't, I don't know because he's he's like. Persian, right? Or Armenian. Sammy. It's got to be uh it got to be like after some I don't even know what Armenians are really. Well, Russian. It's a you know, Russian. Is it a former Russian? It's right near Russia. It's in the Caucasus Mountains of Russia. Is Armenia really? is, you know, Russian. We're not getting an answer from Tripoli. He's probably looking at his iTunes ranking. If I was ranked on iTunes like that, I'd be looking at it constantly. 
Uh, I, you know what's so funny is like right when when anyone's podcast comes out, it, it ranks fairly high. Mm-hmm. I should probably just hang up. <laughs> um, maybe he'll call back. We'll get him to do the bit. Guys, go to it's called uh, Believe in Yourself. Yeah, Believe in Yourself. Go to Sam. Tri- go to uh, go get it on iTunes. Yeah, get it. I'll release this one beginning of next week so that everyone get so you can stay up on the rankings. Guess who's on the phone, everybody? <laughs> we got a caller. <laughs> Sam. Yo, bud. It's Bert. I'm with Kevin Christie. We're doing my podcast, and I'm trying to get him. I'm trying to tell him a joke that you had, and I was going to see if I you could tell the joke to him. What's the joke? Hey, do you remember about playing basketball with the chick at the YMCA? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I used to play ball with these chicks all the time, and they were like really rough. And then when they were on offense, everyone let them go, and I thought that was sexist. So every time. You could just go down the lane. I would ring their bell. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> I was throwing elbows. I was knocking people out. I mean, it was like she wasn't. She's abusing me. The black guys aren't passing me the ball. I was all alone on an island on five on five. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, we were just talking about your album uh, on my podcast. I'm releasing this. Uh, I'll release this beginning of next week. But we were just talking about how great it is, Sam. You really did a fucking oh, great job, yeah, man. man. Dude, thank you so much for like tweeting it. I really do appreciate it. It's done amazingly well, and it's all based on that. I have a. Uh, some very uh, good friends who are nice enough to tweet it for me, so I'm very, I'm very appreciative that you're even talking about it. So thank you, dude. No, man, you have me doubled. Like I, I, I literally wished that I had the phrase "crush Asian pussy" in my act. <laughs> I was like, if you find that, if you put in Sam Tripoli on Craig Kilborn, I do that joke on, uh, I do that joke on Craig Kilborn. <laughs> I did a whole set for him of just basketball almost. Because I knew he loved basketball, I just want to see if I can make it. So I'm making fun of black people and just basically throttling white chicks on national television. <laughs> dude, I gotta get I gotta get you on the podcast. Uh, you let me know anytime, dude. I'd love to come by and hang out. I'll text you, brother. I'm gonna talk to Kevin. I'll talk to you later. Okay. You're the best. Take care, guys. All right, see later, you. man. Yeah, Tripoli's a great guy. Wait, when did you start hanging out at the comedy store? Uh, I guess around a little over ten years ago. Really? Yeah. You've got uh, you were uh, one of the people that I discovered via podcasting. Right. Like I, I listened to you, I think on Marin's. Yeah. And your story was so fucking fascinating. You literally showed up to an audition to hang out with a friend. Yeah. And then uh, by route of someone saying, "Well, you look good yeah, for it." Like a... Yeah, I like got discovered basically like i had the easy when people ask me like how do i get an agent i'm like yeah i don't know man like i can't help yeah and i admit i'm like look i got super lucky and was able to just kind of hang on and learn and to be able to stay in the business for a while until i learned how to like be effective but i got i initially the way i got in was very lucky you know people were just around and wanted to help me and we're like just we're encouraging they're like hey you could probably do this so why don't you just try you've always been you've always been like kind of funny and like annoying, so why don't you just maybe try to do it as a job? It was so fucking interesting. And then, and you were an illustrator, yeah, before that, yeah. So wait, let's start back because I like I when I was a kid, I was obsessed with drawing. Right, I was. I'm still obsessed with drawing. Okay, and and oh, I meant to show you this, Isla. Isla is my youngest. I okay. really think, and I'm, I'm going to show it to you, and you're going to be like, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. She's got a like a stoner's view for drawing oh really she drew the lava boy uh-huh. and it was just this lava guy that lives in lava yeah and it 
it was so bizarre and she drew it then cut it out put it on a picture she had then drew on that and then mixed the two kids there's i saw some quote where like as an artist you're just trying as an adult artist you're just trying to get back to what you're like as a kid yeah because their brains and in in the realm of just art creating their brains are so much better it's not even relatively close like when you just hear a kid describe, they're like, he lives in this mountain that's made of lava, but also makes chocolate on Wednesdays. And then the chocolate goes to this factory and they sell it. And then that's what the money they use to like harvest the bunny farm. So yeah. all the bunnies can have a place to live. And you're like, you're a fucking genius. And like, that's some cartoon net. Like that's Adult Swim. Literally Adult Swim is people that have been able to tap into their child mind. Because your child brain is fuck. I, when I, I notice this. When I draw, there's like, I call it invisible dad. Because there's like, when I'm drawing something, there's a part of me that's like, draw it, try to draw it as good as you can. Because like, you hear your dad like, that's a well-drawn hand. You can really see the structure when like, that doesn't really matter necessarily. Yeah. But like, you get trained to think in those terms as you get older. Like, I'll make it look like you've been trained and make it look like a well-drawn thing, like a master drawing, like the Renaissance. Whereas like, a really good kid's drawing is way fucking better. Like, my yeah. friend is doing starting a podcast, and he wanted me to do his logo. He's like, I was thinking it'd be funny if I had my nephew do it. I was like, you should definitely have your nephew do it. I was I was going to have Isla and Georgia. Uh, I wanted I wanted a logo, and Georgia drew that Bert up there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I was like, you know, it's so funny. You'd actually, like, it looks a little artsy, a little hippie, yeah. like a little weird. I could fuck around all day, and you'd be like, I want it to look like a kid do it. And I would do it. There'd be something missing that that has that I don't. Yeah, like it's so interesting is that you look at it and like and I wanted um I was going to have like I've I've tried maybe fucking 10 years to I want a shirt mm-hmm. that says uh it's a bear mm-hmm. and it says marshmallow. Mm-hmm. I want that shirt. I want to sell the shows. Okay. I fought a bear and the only way you got out of fighting the bear is that you, it was the safe word marshmallow. It's a good story. <laughs> yeah. But I've never been able to do it. And I've never been able to do it. And I'm and I and I was I mean you can't draw it? No, I I I I've no, I'm a horrible drawer. Bears are so like, easy to draw. Are you serious? Yeah, it's a mound. <laughs> yeah, well <laughs> like an old what, brown. What I oval. ended up doing was by the way, and I was when I was a kid, I was obsessed with tracing. Oh yeah. I was obsessed. That's how we all learn. Yeah. I used to trace Garfield. Really? All the time. Yeah. I had tracing paper and I would trace Garfield comics because that's how I, I really liked them and I couldn't draw them right. So I would trace them and that's how you kind of learn the muscle memory. Yeah. Of just like how to do it. I was I would trace uh, football books. Okay. Of like people, in, like I'd get them out of the library, yeah. anything with football pictures. Yeah. And I'd trace that picture and I had the I had the board where it glue behind it uh-huh. and you'd put the paper, you'd put the thing down and then yeah. the paper on top of it yeah. and I'd get, I would say, and Leanne, my wife, makes fun of me for tracing because what, ha- what happened was, as a kid, I had anxiety. I didn't know that. But drawing would calm me down. Yeah. And it would get, my, get me out of my head. So that's, that's why I still do it. I mean, I draw all the time for jobs and stuff. But like when I'm, there's something to, I feel safer drawing than any other place in the world. Really? <laughs> yeah. Now, wait, how do, do, you, do you find many connections with drawing and stand-up or acting? There yeah, they're similar. I mean, I the the thought process is similar. The execution isn't similar. The thought process of like uh the deconstruction process is really similar. Like the like looking at an idea from all sides and kind of picking it apart and trying to see it from all the angles. Do you find that you get out of your way similar in drawing and acting in stand up? 
Uh, I notice I'm I'm the same amount as objective with all of them. Like I'm way better at like helping someone else with their joke as opposed to like working on my own. Same with yeah. my art. Like I can when I like I used to substitute teach at the college I went to and like I could tell someone what to take out of a thing really easily, but I'll I'll stare at my own stuff forever and ever and ever and ever. Like it's I don't have the same it's all it's all pretty similar, to be honest with you. Like I that's why I never I never feel like I never felt like I had to justify doing any of them, like or explain why I was doing more than one thing because they all felt relatively similar to me. The kind of way that you make ideas, it all just seemed like idea making, and uh, you just pick which way you want to do it. Like if certain ideas aren't going to work for a drawing, so but they may work as a joke. Certain ideas are going to things you can use in acting that you can't use in stand up. Yeah. So it's just like where does this thing I notice feel the most appropriate, and then I just put it there. It's interesting. I. I... I would I would watch like uh, Bob Ross and when mm-hmm. he, whenever he'd go to add something I'd automatically go don't do that you're gonna fuck it up <laughs> yeah and it's but it's and my but my standup is totally different I'm always adding shit yeah I'm adding to, I'm adding shit to the point where it's just a Bob Ross painting covered <laughs> in fucking charcoal and spit and yeah. semen and I'm like yeah. oh my god I Jezelnik I listened to a Jezelnik interview and he was talking about how he had this joke where like he was literally like you couldn't you don't need any more words and you couldn't take any if you took any words out the joke wouldn't work anymore like that he really looked at it as like this efficiency like the way the way a joke was written that's really interesting if i he's like you could add words but you don't need them but if you took any of the words out the joke doesn't make sense anymore and i was like oh that's fucking like i don't think that way i don't think that way either and i think i think that i i wish i had an economy of words yeah i do that thing where like you know especially when you're doing a new bit and it's doing well and you should just stop, and you yeah. just, but you just stand up there and you milk. You're like, right, and then you start fucking tagging. Oh, on. you're oh, you're like, oh, this can go so much further than you're like, it's, it's bullshit, and you just because you want to keep. Yeah, yeah, it's it, that's really fascinating because I do that. I I do the milking of it once I've got the like. I remember I did uh, Kimmel, and I sat with my manager at the time, and he kind of helped me shave down what was right, what was important to the bit. Yeah, and then I did it on stage, and it really destroyed. And I did it on Kimmel, and it killed. And then I yeah. brought it back on stage. I was like, well, this is a really short bit. Yeah. I've got to start writing more, or I can yeah. just make it long again. Short. That's the thing. Short. I just did basically my first TV set last week, this Adam Devine's house party thing. Oh, yeah. It was super fun. Uh, Adam uh, Adam Devine is one of my Such favorite people. Such a fucking good dude. He's, he is, uh, he's not fucking... I think he's got the perfect amount of. I mean, I don't know how famous he is. I'm pretty. I'm sure he's pretty to young people. Famous. That dude's pretty famous. Yeah, but like he didn't seem it to me. No, like he seemed like very real. And and I and I knew him. He used to work at the Improv. Yeah. And so the first time I met him was at the Improv, and he had like double eye infections. He had done like a Taco Bell commercial. And they put a bunch of weird makeup in his eye, and his eyes had like reacted to it. He didn't say he was so happy to have the job. He didn't say like, "Ow, this hurts! Stop!" His <laughs> eyes were borderline swollen shut, and so he literally was like this. It's like he had double pink eye. Yeah, and he was like, "Look, my eyes don't look like this all the time." And I was like, "What the fuck, dude?" He was like, "Yeah, I didn't say anything." So I'm like, "Dude, you're gonna get another commercial. Like, if they hurt yeah. you, you can say stop." The, he, uh, I was in New Orleans, and I and um, I'm with a guy I haven't seen in probably 10 years one of my mm. best friends growing up and I'm with the whole production crew that I just met that is now my production crew for Trip Flip right. this is like two years ago probably three years ago and we're sitting there and, and Workaholics had just come out and I see him and uh, and 
uh, and uh, not Durs, but uh, Blake. Yeah. Uh, I see them walking down the street, and 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 now I here's this is the this is by the way I'm very honest about ego. But here's the <laughs> part that uh, that like I in my head I'm like I know he's a stand up and I and I know I'm a stand up and I know yeah. I've been doing doing it longer and I wonder yeah. and I and I I don't know I know he's very famous right now but I don't I wonder if he knows me but right and I and I, those are all the thoughts I want to say but what I just wanted to say what I just said was hey I'm Bert <laughs> and he looked and he was like Bert. Yeah, and they came up and they came drinking with us, and he's like, you know, I worked at the Improv, and I was like, yeah, and he was like, I mean, this is like, by, by the way, this is someone who's on a very famous TV show. He's like, you know, this is like one of my dreams to drink beers with you, and I'm like, because huh, I'm a big fan of your show. That's like, what like is so great. When I, it's like how I like, okay, I bugged you the other day. I was like, did you get a new Rolex? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it's because. All of us are just little dirt bags. <laughs> and so when when someone like cuz I remember Adam is the guy with double eye infections. Yeah. And it's like so when he gets famous and successful, it's the greatest. It's I I me and my friend Jerry, my friend Jerry, one of my best friends is he's he was turtle on Entourage. And oh, yeah. and he I refer and he came from like he's from Brooklyn, like very middle class, lower middle class. I grew up here. In La Crescenta. Oh, that's right. And uh, but like I refer to us all as dirt people. Yeah. Where we never had any plan on being successful, really at all. Yeah. Certainly not getting on television on any. Like, why would like none of us are terribly good looking? Yeah. Like we're all just jerks, or like we're you know, we're, and none of us planned on getting success. And then we woke up one day, we were on TV, and we we're just like, what the fuck. And then like maybe we got a little money, and we don't know what to do with it on any level. <laughs> so we just maybe we're smart enough to buy a house, but we just we give it to our friends and shit like oh. morons and then we buy all this fancy shit it's the funniest thing to me in the world whitney same thing just dirt we're just dirt people just like basically street urchins and yeah. they're like here we on television we're like what the fuck <laughs> and it makes it tickles me to such a degree because in a weird way it's same like i was saying with the art thing Adam still is like a kid with money. Yeah. And you're, it, there's something so great about it where we don't act like normal successful. I'm not rich at all. But like the ones who get rich, they don't act like normal rich people. It, they're way better. They're like they're like more fun. They're like, dude, I bought all these water slides. And like, it's, like, it's like it's like uh, we uh, two two things that'll, uh, that I that I that I will back end on that. Uh, Colin Quinn at this year's last maybe last year's Montreal. Yeah. He was like, "Hey, yeah, I, I, I saw that. You I was fucking chinsers, t- tip your. F- I don't. I don't know if chinsers are racial slur. <laughs> by the way, you chinsers. Uh, yeah. I think it's chintzy. Uh, tip your fucking feature acts. Do you remember what yeah. it was like when you didn't have the fucking money? Yeah. And now you got the money. Don't fucking forget it. Tip yeah. your, t- your. And I was like, holy shit. I was like, and in my head, I was like, I, like, I don't. I don't think I've been tipping enough. Yeah. Like and, and then I was like, I don't know. Sometimes tipping isn't like the first thing on my like back then, especially. Yeah. Was, it was like I never made sure. Now I'm making sure. Oh, go around and tip everyone because it does make a fucking huge difference. Yeah. And then the other thing was, um, we rented we rented this is what you, you just said slides. We rented one of those huge three story water slides that you put in your front yard. Oh. The kids were. It's only like two hundred fifty bucks. Yeah, yeah. Like I was you, like, that's the thing. You have the money to have a bouncy house in your backyard every single day of the week. Every fucking day. <laughs> every fucking day. Like you have a beautiful what oh. I what I think is a rose gold Rolex. Yes. It's gorgeous. I'm not going to tell the people how much it costs. I know exactly how much it costs. <laughs> I want one really bad. <laughs> it's fucking great looking. It's the same watch President Eisenhower wore. <laughs> 
you know, like I, my friend Max Greenfield is on New Girl, and he threw out the first pitch at Dodger Stadium, and he invited me, so we went. It was fucking great. It was so cool. We're in the dugout, like freaking out, but also. All like the owners came down to meet him. They all were wearing your exact watch, but they're a bunch of fat, like red faced, <laughs> annoying dudes who are just like, hey, what's it gonna like? You're like, oh man, you're the worst. And they're all wearing like LL Bean khakis, and they have the same watch, but like you got the exact same thing from just being a dope. <laughs> That's the from best. Fucking jumping off buildings, <laughs> literally. Yeah. That's it's the best. It's such a fucking. It's such an end around to the system. I was working with... You've never looked at a spreadsheet seriously. You maybe oh. looked at it and were like, I don't get this. I've <laughs> only done one spreadsheet my entire life, and that's when I sell books. I figured out how to do a spreadsheet so people would type their email addresses And in. you're probably so proud of yourself. <laughs> something I, that's... I emailed it, and I go, I think I saved it on my desktop. <laughs> Some, and that someone does that all day long. Yeah. And they're great at it, and they hate every second. You're like, looky, I did a spready. <laughs> <laughs> we, wait, what was I, what was I just going to say to you? Um... Oh, fuck. Uh, oh, I'm talking to, I want to say, I'm going to credit the right guy, hopefully. I'm talking to Mike Merrifield, and, and I was going through that exact same thing where I was like, I was like, man, I said something. I was like, I always wanted a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. Like, why don't I just get, I can buy one. Mm-hmm. Why don't I go get one? Because you I was have like, kids, I'm gonna so get you a can't dirt get bike. one. Yeah, and, he, and then he goes, he goes, whoa, 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 whoa. I, <laughs> he was like very honest. He was like, I always thought by this time in my life I'd have an ATV. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, my wife left me. I don't see my kids enough. I'm getting a fucking ATV. Yeah, yeah. I, and my, so it's gonna be in his apartment, just an ATV. Why the fuck not? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm like. I am single. I I'm divorced. I I'm basically only responsible for myself. Yeah. So like, if I want, I buy at night at like two in the morning. I buy skateboard T-shirts. And I buy skate stickers, and I buy skateboard decks. I'm 37 years old. I don't skateboard anymore because yeah. every time I get a job, if I break my arm, they'll sue me. Yeah. Yet in my house right now, there are nine skateboard decks that I bought, and then 50 that I designed. And I'm such an idiot. I was like, you can just pay me in decks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I I uh, I buy uh, knives nonstop. <laughs> Oh, you mean like 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 these like carrying uh, like, like a spider coat? Yeah, I saw that. What's up with that? Yeah, dope. That spi- no, th- I have a leather. I got this black Leatherman at this a skate is, shop. This is my spider coat. This is like I mean, I have so many fucking knives. Yeah, I just buy nice. knives everywhere I go. Oh, that's a good one. I fucking and I do it on because it, it helps. I remember where I got them from. But, uh, okay, but uh, I go and. Don't go to the shows. You'll end up picking up a Nazi pamphlet on accident. The I I had someone come to one of my shows and give me a knife. He's like, I know you're a fan of knives. Here, I got this for you. I was like, oh, Oh, sweet. I was like, let me give you a shirt. Let me sign you up for a book. I'll give you a book for free. Dude. Um, The best thing about having kids is I was like, God, I want a fucking knife. I want a short board. Because oh, like I have yeah. longboards, uh, like I think it's it should be right under here. Yeah, your like, longboards under my there. longboards right under there. And I was like, I want a shortboard. And I was like, fuck it. You know who wants a shortboard? Isla, Isla. That's good for her grooming. She's into art. Yeah, she, and she, and I, so I went. Skateboarding up. is good to get into, just in general. Because yeah. Seinfeld said it on that fucking in uh, comedians' cards with Chris Rock. Did he you go- hear what Tell called it? No, <laughs> millionaires wearing seatbelts. <laughs> <laughs> God, Attell is the fucking you can't can you can't ever beat that guy. No, nope. <laughs> like, but he said he was watching Seinfeld. Well, they saw some skaters while they're in the car, and he goes, he goes, you know, every time I see a skateboarder, I see how many times it takes for them to get the trick right, and I go, that kid's gonna be all right. Yeah, because it just takes forever to land a kickflip 
I've landed one. I'm 37. I've I started I started uh, skateboarding. When I was a kid, I started skateboarding. The first skateboard I got was a Billy Ruff. Oh, yeah. GNS. GNS Billy Ruff. And I, and I was like, fuck yeah. Fuck yeah, dude. This is it. And I, this will redefine me. And I learned how to skate on a, on a quarter pipe. Yeah. And, and I was like, great. And then, and then I think Pussy showed up. And I was like, all right, fuck skateboarding. <laughs> I'll skate. And then like halfway through high school, my buddies came in and out. And they were like, oh, skateboarding's still cool. We surf. Yeah. And so I was like, fuck yeah, we're going back into skateboarding. And then I, then I go to New York. I'm in New York, and there's a skate shop right around from my apartment, and my buddy Weecho goes, hey, let's get longboards. And I bought this longboard in New York, and we go up to Central Park, and we would fucking bomb that bitch. Dude. I mean, fast as fuck. When you're, when you're rolling faster than you can run, that's when it gets hilarious and fun. Yes. That's the thing. When you're doing something you can't normally do, it's like you're, that's when it gets fun. Skateboarding, to me, was so important because... It made it, first of all, it kept me from caring about team sports. Oh, it's it, let me tell you something. Independence in life, team sports is important and it's great. But the independent skateboarding provides you, yeah, to be in well, your own I, head. My little league coach was like, "What?" Tried to get me to not skateboard. So that was the first like, and my my elementary school principal banned skateboards at school, and so we would leave them at my friend's house we live right near the school and then she tried to get the mom to not do that so that was like my first sense of like rebelliousness yeah where i was like fuck this like it's just a fucking skateboard but they were like so anti and i was like fuck this lady (laughs) like it made me feel cool made me feel a little rebellious made me feel unique and like different and like it was so and there's no the thing about skateboarding is it's a self-starting thing you don't there's no team there's no one like oh you got to go do this stuff you go out with your friends you decide to do whatever tricks you decide to do you only get as good as you decide to get it's like stand up it's really just you deciding to be as good as you want it's yeah. up to you and i think it's and just and the art thing i mean that's the thing when i was a kid nothing was as cool as there was nowhere you could put a drawing that was as cool as on a skateboard Oh, dude! Skateboard art redefined art for me. I oh, yeah. started drawing. Was it the what, what was the goblet? Was that the Billy Ruff one with the goblet with the bubbles pouring out? I want to say it was Billy Ruff. Goblet was, bubbles uh, pouring out. That might have been Tom Knox. Uh, there was Jodie Foster's Army was the first uh, insignia I saw where I was like, "That's fucking badass." Yeah. Uh, we used to draw. Um, Surf. I mean, the big thing for us when we were growing up in Florida was to draw the perfect wave on your on uh, your like on Rick Griffin. Yeah, and 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 draw it on your notebook. I'm trying to find. I'm almost certain it's a Billy Ruff, but it's. I'll show you the picture because it's a goblet, and it's uh, and it was like you I mean remember a goblin, a goblet, a go- So he's holding a, a a cup with bubbles coming out. FF skateboard. I'll show you. It's, it was a it was a skeleton hand. Oh shit! And it was pouring out uh, bubble. It was pouring out like wine. Images. That's. I mean, when I skateboard art was, I I used to get the the Bones Brigade newsletter. Holy shit! Seriously. And because uh, it, it was full of drawings. This is it. God damn see. it! It's this one. Uh, here it's coming up. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Oh fuck, dude! You see that was my board. That thing is so dope. Yellow trucks and real screen printing. That's the one thing skateboard graphics lack now. They don't screen print for it's a different process. I just loved the way that was represented <laughs> with like with like his name in the in like a big bubble in the center and they the bubbles of the wine get bigger and bigger and bigger to the center. Yeah. And I remember seeing that and going like fuck. I mean, we had to drive to like Temple Terrace to go get skateboards cuz that was the only skateboard shop. Yeah. And I would sit and just look at decks like 
Like almost like they're the most. They were the most beautiful. They're this, the colors are bright. They're on wood. The ink stands up. Yeah, they just fucking jump out at you and are like, "This is cool." Like that's the thing. It was the first thing I'd ever seen that was visual. Was like, okay, that's cool. I'm not exactly sure why, but that's fucking cool as yeah. shit. And I want to do that. And it was like, okay, I'm gonna draw. Like I could draw. So I was like, no, no, I'm gonna draw stuff like that. So I would just copy graphics all the time. And that's, I mean, I couldn't even deal with how cool some of that shit was. I still look at that stuff today, and I'm like, this stuff is great. Yeah. These guys were going for it. Because it was really tapped into kind of the culture of the people. And it was just like weirdos. It was just yeah. like, one of, my, one of my favorite things on the internet right now is Jeff Grosso's Love Letters to Skateboarding. Jeff Grosso's 80s skateboarder, skated for Santa Cruz, like heroin addict, then got sober. Now he just makes these like short YouTube videos on Vans. And it's called Love Letters to Skateboarding, and they're super specific, and he's kind of like this grizzled old dude. Like, he did a whole episode just about fakies, <laughs> and then he a whole episode about gimmicks, a whole episode about wheel. Like, it's so specific, and he knows what's up, so he'll tell you who invented the trick. And it's always like, apparently Dave Andrick invented it, but I've heard some other stories. Like, now, <laughs> fuck that. They're all just like, because all of them are like mid-40s, early 50s, and they're a little, you know, they're super blue collar, and there's, yeah. there was no money. All the money went away. So they're just normal dudes, and I I love hearing people talk about someone like you. Like, no, you don't understand. At the time, like him and Tony Hawk were like, what were the best skate teams? And these were teams I'd never even heard of. They weren't like, oh, Santa Cruz, Pal Peralta. They were like the Hobie team. You're like, what? The Hobie team. And their names, you know, they're like, they're like Jim Griffin, and Re- those guys were at the top. You're like, who the fuck are these people? Yeah. But it's the same. It's like when you hear comics, when you hear comics talking about names that, that when you they talk about old Boston comics. Yeah. We, we just Fitzsimmons is will be on a podcast soon. Yeah. We just had him in, and we did like an exchange where Fitzsimmons was leaving. You walked in, mm-hmm. and but Fitzsimmons is in here talking about these old Boston comics I'd never heard of. Yeah. Well, and, in, even at the store, there's like guys. You're like, no, no, you don't get it. Like back in the day, James Painter. In the OR before he Ollie gave up stand up. Yeah, all yeah, you're like, dude, you don't know. Like Painter used to crush in a way that no one wanted to deal with. Someone I walk out I usually walk out on stage and I'll kill a beer on stage. Uh-huh. And someone's like, Ollie Joe used to kill six. Yeah. I was like, What? Yeah, excuse I me. Go, who the fuck's Ollie Joe? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they're like, You don't know who Ollie Joe Prater, Prater is? I go, I have no idea. And I wanna say I, this is gonna I'm I'm sure this is incorrect, but that I got hooked up with his daughter mm-hmm. or that he has a daughter okay. or something, or she emailed me. Right. Or someone was like I, I forget. I don't know why I'm saying that. I, I don't remember. But um, but I go. He used to kill six. So I went and I bought his album mm-hmm. and I listened to his album and I'm like, wow, it's pretty. It's pretty fucking good. Yeah. But apparently he was uh he used to borrow material. Okay. So and I think that was like, but yeah. like uh like that's the old folklore of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure uh fucking Marin would tell you. But it's just that like you hear. I remember once I was talking to Claudia Lano, whose stepdad is Mark Lano. Ran all used to start all the improvs or whatever. Yeah, and she was. We were talking about it was one like one of Com- Comedy Central put out their greatest of all time list or something. And I was like, kind of like, oh, this and this. She goes, well, Kevin, the thing is, you don't really know what you're talking about. And she goes, I don't mean that like to be like a dick. She's like, but you weren't really there. And she was like, you don't understand because she goes, you in the '90s at the improv, no one was better than Dana Gould. She goes, everyone was everyone like, this guy, about Dana Gould. She goes, it, apparently in the 90s at the improv, when he was really doing a ton of stand-up back then, nobody was as funny. And the thing is, Dana Gould is a once-in-a-generation comedic mind. Yeah. You can see the whole, when you see his stand-up, you're like, oh, it's the style of The Simpsons. Like, the, his ripple effect is so broad. But, like, unless you're really there, and I was like, oh, you're right, I don't. 
I wasn't there. Yeah. In the same way she was like, well, yeah, you don't know what's going on at the store. She's like, what's going on there? I don't know. She's like, you don't really know what you're talking about. You I don't weren't. know what's going on at the store. I, I wish yeah. I, I wish I hung out more, but I feel like I don't have time. I feel like I, I feel like I I feel like I'm writing on stage on the road, and I and I may be writing a generation behind me. Like I don't know where people are writing, but I go, ah, fuck it. It's just what I do. Yeah, I mean the it. stores in a, the store is really interesting now because it's it's so different than it's ever been. Really? It's kind of inadvertently become the cool. The only club that's like still kind of cool, yeah, because they're letting people do podcasts there, and it's like there's a lot that that roast battle thing is cool. What's On that? Tuesdays they have a roast battle where comics literally like real comics challenge each other to a roast, and like Bill Burr judged and fucking you know like Jeff Ross they like judge these roast battles. You should judge it, and it's like I'm not there's just a lot it. of these little things happening that are actually cool, and there's a great group of young comics there, and it's all but we're all kind of like it's all together. There's yeah. no, like, and everyone's, like, it's nicer. It's not like it was when I first got there, where it was, like, kind of dark and not doing well. Like, everyone's sort of, it's kind of doing a, okay. Wait, when did you get there first? Uh, so, 10, this is, like, I probably got there, like, 2002. Okay. And it was not in a good spot. Really? I mean, there was an open mic three days of the week, because the crowds were so small. And, like, the comics, there, it, you had the beginnings of what are the really good comics now, on the lineups, and then people that have now don't do stand up anymore. Like they were just, they were leftovers from like the late 80s, late 90s. Oh, yeah. I know who you're talking about. And they were just not great. They were just, they didn't make it and they weren't going to. But you had like very young Caparillo, young Sebastian, young Renazizi, Ari, people like that were good, but not as good as they are now. And they were kind of slowly becoming the main presence there, but yeah. weren't getting a ton of spots. And so it was mostly. The culture there at the time was all about the open mic nights. Really? Yeah, the employees were really important back then because it was like the employees were like Ari, Renazizi, Steve Simone. And it was like, in a weird way, they were in charge of the culture. Duncan. Duncan was like the booker. Duncan made the lineups. Do you realize how fucking surreal that is? Yeah, Duncan made the lineups and was doing that thing where he'd say Mitzi made the lineups, but that was the case. Yeah. But, and so they were in charge of the comedy store at that time, which made it really, really fun and free. You could do whatever you wanted all the time, and there were no consequences 100% of the time. You now, could what, bomb every single time you went up, and no one cared. Really? It was great. Now, um, what was uh, what was your – what got you into stand-up? What was the – I mean, I'd always wanted to do stand-up, but I'd never – I didn't know any comedians. And even though I grew up here, I didn't – I had no understanding what it was. I didn't know what an open mic was. I'd never met a comedian or seen stand-up at all. But I'd always like been a guy that would regurgitate jokes I saw on TV. Yeah, like I remember, I know the first joke I ever regurgitated was an Ellen DeGeneres joke. <laughs> I like woke my mom up because Ellen was on like Comic Strip Live, which was on Fox on Fridays at like one in the morning. Yeah, she did a joke about hunting, and I just thought it was the funniest shit. What was the joke? It was about how hunters say that they hunt the animals because they're so beautiful. And she goes, you know, I find my mother very attractive, but I just have pictures of her. And then she goes, <laughs> yeah. the saddest is when you see the 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 deer at the bar and he's got the party hat on like the you know the mounted head she goes because he was at a party and then someone murdered him and i was just like you tricked me that's what happened you tricked me with that word like you tricked me with that line and i I woke my mom didn't know what was happening but that was like so i just started noticing that like thought process and like uh that like wouldn't it be like talking in that way like it would be like like my my stepmom pointed out when she goes you talk weird i go what do you mean she goes you always say this happened it was like this, or w- it, wouldn't it be funny if it was like I was like, like yeah. I was always like recreating myself in the situation in reference to trying to be funny. 
And then I just met Bobby Lee doing a commercial, and he was a stand-up, and I went and saw him. And then, like, a year later, I ran into him. I was like, I want to be a comedian. Really? Yeah. So then you were you were just down here. Yeah, I started at the comedy store. Yeah, I was, well, I was in. I probably had finished art school, and I was, like, doing commercials. But you And so the commercial... And, and you are... How many commercials would you say you've done? Uh, I think, like, 75. Holy fuck. Yeah. Do you just have commercial auditioning down to a... What is the key to being a good com- commercial act? Like, getting good, a lot of commercials? Not... Uh, understanding that they're selling a product, so so think in terms of what product they're selling, like, and and fin- find a way to be funny within that kind of structure. Like, if you're the funniest guy in the world, I don't care. You, your h- most hilarious off-color joke is not going to work if they're selling macaroni and cheese. Yeah. So like, the key is to like be funny and be unique and stand out, but don't think being super hilarious is going to do it because you're selling tires. Like you are, you're there just to function. You have a very specific function. You're trying to sell a product. So yeah. like, look at how they're describing. They get they put up storyboards. So like, look at how they're describing what they want, and then execute that while being just different enough to stand out. Wow. But people, I think, because also uh, most commercial uh, actors are improvisers. So I think they go in and they improvise real hard, and it's like that's hilarious. But like, you're selling Doritos. So, like, they can't have you overshadow the Dorito. Yeah. And actually, the way to get commercial jobs is not to be the best and not to be the worst. If you're the one everyone agrees on early on, you're not getting that job because they'll talk their way out of it. You want to be the one no one hates. Because there's 35 people that make that dumb decision. There's, like, you know, 90 emails. Like, did you show Scott that email? Yeah, did Scott read it? Well, we got to get it to Rob. Like, it takes... I've watched them make decisions. It's one of the funniest. It's like a bit. Really? It's like a sketch. The the way decisions get made on commercial sets is so funny because there's too many people involved. They're all terrified, and it's the funniest thing because they're talking about, like, chips. God. <laughs> and they're just like, well, let's make sure Jim gets on that email to look at the boards. And you're like, it's a board about a barbecue chip. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just silly. It's silly. But there's so much money involved. That's so crazy. They now, spend dude. so much money. Oh, yeah. what Like, what? Don't tell me... I'm, I think I've always fascinated. So, like when I started, Jim Gaffigan and Ju- Judah Friedlander were the two yeah. commercial guys. Yeah, like Jim. I remember, I remember Dimitri Martin telling me Judah Friedlander did a he did a commercial where he sat on a lazy boy in the middle of a football field. I uh-huh. want to say it was for Snickers, right? And he uh, and 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 Dimitri's like he got paid one hundred twenty five thousand yeah. dollars for that. Those days are dead, really, but. They did exist for. I was like the tail. I started at like the tail end of that thing because cable TV killed that. Yeah, because they can pay you a tenth as much to be on cable, and you basically get seen by the same amount of people. And they haven't even those those payments yet. But I mean, it's a g- fucking great job. Even even just like the the low end of what I make for doing a commercial is still r- good. Yeah, if, especially when you quantify the fact that you worked a day. Now, wait, what, uh, if someone's listening, what commercial have they seen you on? Like, what's your most famous commercial? Uh, I was in a campaign for IBM where I did, like, 12. So that was, most people saw lots of that. Uh, right now, I'm in a commercial for the UPS store with a dog. Wait, what was the campaign for IBM? It was always me and, it was, if, do you watch golf? Yeah. It was uh, me and a guy, we're in, like, short sleeve white shirts, and we're always in, like, a white room selling, like, servers. So it was, like, he'd be, like, freaking out, and I was always the smart one that was, like, not really, because we have IBM. Oh yeah, and that's the campaign that bought me a home. <laughs> <laughs> now, when did you? How old were you when you got married? Uh, well, shit. 
I must have been thirty-two. Really? Yeah. Thirty-two years old. That's a right. That's a good time to get married. Yeah. Thirty-four. Divorced. You got divorced at thirty-four. Yeah. We were married two years. Holy shit. Yeah. (laughs) That was in and out, huh? Yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't going well. Really? We tried. She's a nice human. Do you still talk to her? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's gotta be crazy. It's weird. It's weird. What was uh? Did you did who who decided to end it? It was I think as close to mutual as it can get, but also I think it I think it was I'm of the opinion it was a little more her than me. I think I wanted to try a little harder towards the end. Yeah. Than she did, but I think she was just tired. <laughs> Granted, I was a hard person to be around and know. But you don't drink. No, but I I was. I was in like as legit a depression as I've ever been and didn't really feel like getting out of it. So it was a lot of me like, you should just like, this is never going to get better. This is how I am. Yeah. And I think she just looked at that and was like, do I want this for the rest of my life? And was like, no. Granted, I'm better now. Yeah. But I wasn't then. Is this post post your Yeah. It was post my, my dad dying. So I did, you know, I didn't necessarily deal with that or i don't know how you i don't know if there's a way that how have you dealt with it now <clears throat> i mean now i go to th- i go to therapy i've therapy you know, so fucking good oh, i was there this morning it was awesome were you really <laughs> yeah what are you talking about now do you because you seem really solid i'm way better i'm much better than i am than i've ever been yeah i feel i feel i was telling my therapist now i was like things are pretty good like i was describing I ran into uh, 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 Josh Adam Myers the other day, and he was like, "What's going on?" He was like, "What do you got? What do you got going?" I was like, "Oh, I got to do Chelsea this week, and then I got to go to New Orleans to do Adam Devine's house party." And he's like, "And then what? You got any acting stuff?" I go, "Yeah, I go back to this show, Masters of Sex." He's like, "So you're killing it?" And I was like, "What? Well, huh? I guess." <laughs> and I was like, "You know what, man? This is pretty fucking good. Like, I'm yeah. doing pretty great. You're like, pretty I was like, this awesome. is awesome." And I like, you know, yeah, everything. I'm fucking. I feel all right, and you know, because I. I'm better at. I know what to do now if I feel bad. And the, whereas before, I didn't know what to do. I was like, "Oh, this is your stuck. This is your lot in life to feel bad all the time. You're stuck this way. It's never going to change. So let's just stay this way." See, I presume dread is around the corner. Yeah, I presume, but also it's not. And it's fine to presume that. Yeah. that's the thing. I I learned. This is what I learned. It's okay to like feel panicky and like work, but just it's about like learning the things to do. When you get those feelings, like okay, the other day I was at the Grove. I'm buying pants for no reason. <laughs> I just wanted pants. Yeah, I, I, you know, I decided on a new look. I was like, I'm gonna do this thing. What's so your I was, new look? I was like, I'm gonna get uh, high water slacks. <laughs> and I knew where to buy them. <laughs> so I go to the fucking Grove. What a I'm fucking like, bold choice, though. I'm like, like high water slacks with Vans. I think would look because I'm getting a little older. I'm like, I want to be maybe be able to tuck my shirt in. But you can't, I don't like tucking your shirt into jeans. I don't know why I don't like it. Yeah. I was like, no, nah, high water slacks, because then you can still wear Vans, and you can tuck your shirt in, and you look okay. So I go, I'm like, let's go get some fucking slacks. And so I go, and I'm doing this because I'm, it's sad that day, because I'm whatever, I'm lonely. And, yeah. and then I'm at the Grove, and I'm like, you're a little sad. But it's Monday, and I'm like, well, you, go to the comedy store. You can grab a spot, because it's Monday, you can do a pop-in, and then your friends will be there, because I saw that Steve Simone was doing Kill Tony's podcast. Yeah. I was like, you'll hang out with Steve, it'll be fine. And, like, that's the difference. Whereas before, I would have just gone home and wallowed and been like, you're the loneliest man. It's like, no, I have tons of really awesome friends yeah. and can go to a comedy club and fucking get on stage just on a Monday because I'm a regular there. Like, I have all the things that, like, 
are, are in my life to make me happy. It's just about real find, knowing they're there and treating them that way. No, I, I my my thing is sometimes I go, you know, Bert. No one's thinking about this one thing as much as you are. To, for real. Like you're thinking about this a lot. No one's thinking no about one. you at all. No one. Or they're not thinking about you in the way you think they are at all. Everyone's base, and this is how, everyone's consumed with their own life. Yeah. Because it's, and not that, oh, they're so selfish. It's hard. Life is very difficult. I don't know anyone who goes, yeah, life was way easier than I thought it would be. No, no. Everyone's like, Jesus, this is hard. <laughs> This is just gets hard. One, dude, one of the most amazing things I've ever seen on stage. Steve Simone's on stage at the comedy store on like a Sunday. The crowd's kind of crap. Not a lot of people. And he's doing okay. He's starting out. And he's like, and then he just goes, God, isn't life so much harder than you think it would be? And the whole crowd goes dead silent. And they literally lean forward. Like, keep telling the truth, sir. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, keep going, please. Like, it was the fucking realest shit. Yeah. So, like, life is suit can be very difficult. But it is for everyone. And when you realize that, like, no one's thinking about... Like, the people that are thinking about me right now are doing so in a very small way. So this, like, obsession you think everyone's thinking negative shit about you is not the case. How many people do you think are thinking about you right now? Do we count Twitter people or people that actually know me? If you just read my tweet, you sort of think about me. Your Twitter is fucking hilarious, by the way. But I would think, like, six... Maybe six people I crossed their mind. I wonder how many people are thinking about me. Let's tweet it. <laughs> how many followers do you have? I have 105. The, 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 the ratio, they say a good response on Twitter is 3% of your total number. If you can get 3% of your total number to do anything for you, you're crushing it. I'm going to so, say tweet me if you're thinking about... Tweet uh, me if you've thought about me in the last four minutes. That's what tweet? you should say. Okay. Uh, why is it tweet me? How about this? Tweet me <laughs> if you have thought about <laughs> Come on, I can't fucking But yeah, the 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 notion of when people think about you is i think you can feel it when they think about you like the other day i was like i I, you know what i realized i i try i think i have a decent sense of probability so the other day i was like i haven't heard from joel madison this is comic minneapolis guy he's a writer now i was like i haven't heard from joel madison in probably two months i bet you i was like i'm surprised i haven't got an email from him that's just like what's going on and then yesterday i got one that was like so what's up Oh, that's so funny. Like, uh, just in terms of the amount of time. We're like, ah, it's, a li- it's lo- like, oh, it's been longer than usual that I've heard from this person. I'm due for a, for a contact from them. You can just kind of gauge it. Like, oh, that's a little weird. Like, oh, it's been a week. Like, my friend John Bronson always gives me a hard time for not calling him enough. And I know when I'm about to get a call. Because if I go more than, like, eight days with any kind of contact, I get a call from that's like, you don't call me. You never. What's happening? You hate my guts. But you can kind of feel it. There's just that because it's 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 stuff you're used to. You're I, used I believe to in gut instinct. I can sense a gut yeah, instinct very quickly. If I'm I like, think humans we take our first initial instinct, which a lot of times is right, then we pollute it with experience, and then we try to use that polluted version of our first in- inclination, and then try to use that like diseased thing. Whereas yeah. like when you first like they have I I am in a twelve step program. 
And the other thing, don't paint red flags white. Why are you in a 12 step program? For codependency. Seriously? Yeah. I love it. I think I'm codependent. <laughs> Dude, I love it. Will it's, you take me to one of your meetings? Yes. They're so <laughs> Is that useful. bad if you go, guys, I got a new friend, Bert. No, they He's are be so, to with me. They're so useful. Wait, Change save my life. Can you tell me if I'm codependent? Sure. So, I mean, okay. First of all, I'm not allowed to tell you you're codependent. But if you say I think I'm codependent, that's a pretty good sign. I think why can't you tell me if I'm codependent? You're not supposed to like diagnose other people. Okay. It's like cuz I don't know. Like, hey, I, I don't know. I don't know enough about your life. And it's like the whole thing with any of these programs is you people who come to them, they're not effective unless you decide to go to them. Yeah. So if we ran around being like, you're an alcoholic, you're a codependent, you're this. And people are like, OK, I'll go because you tell me to. It's like nothing works until you want to do it yourself. Uh, I went to an AA meeting one time. Yeah. And uh, my, my buddy took me and he was like. Uh, and I was like, and, and I just was going through a hard time. Yeah. And I happen to be drinking a lot, but I was just going through a certifiably hard time. Yeah. And I was actually not drinking when he saw me. Yeah. And I was like, no, I'm j- I just got to figure shit out. Like, yeah. I, and I don't think drinking is the the way to figure that out. And I was like, I think, as a matter of fact, I think I need to quit drinking for a while yeah. to figure out what the fuck's going on in my life. Mm-hmm. And he's like, why don't you come to a meeting? And I'm such a fucking... I am such a yes man. I am such a guy that doesn't like conflict. Yeah. That I was too. like, okay. Yeah. So I went. And then I'm sitting there and I'm listening to people tell their stories about like I remember the guy I remember he was like, You should say something. And I was like, I don't know if I feel like standing up and talking. Yeah. Cause then I feel like there's a commitment to it. And he's like, Well, that gets you, you know, gets the ball rolling. It shows yeah. you're serious about this. And so I was like, All right, I'll talk. And the guy before me goes, literally stands up and he's like, oh, I've been having a rough day. I woke up this morning. I blew my landlord and then lit his car on fire. Oh, I'm having a rough day. And I was like, I'm not <laughs> yeah. this guy. He's like, and, and so not to say that I'm better or worse than, but I was like, that's, I don't want to talk after him because yeah. I know I can't follow that. Yeah. Like, yeah, as a yeah. comic, I'm That's like, the thing. Like, I don't talk at meetings because, A, I know I haven't been going a super long time, maybe around a year. I know <sighs> that I will. Send me to one meeting and I'm talking. <laughs> <laughs> I've shared at one meeting, but I know it was a small one. And I, because I know there's a part of me that'll be like, Room full of people. Yeah. Uh, let's try to get a laugh. And that's not really what I'm there for. I, yeah. I get the most out of listening to people because what it tells me is, what I've learned is like, everyone's really similar. I hear people with the exact, I hear people say things, I've heard people say problems I didn't know I had. And then when they said it out loud, I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah. It's beautiful. And and I, I can't, I swear, I can't, I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, so I tweeted. Tell me a ton. So I tweeted. Tell me if you've thought about Kevin Christie in the last four minutes. We're gonna hear gay f. We're gonna hear some gay slurs. Uh, nope. This, this guy goes. The average male thinks about Kevin Christie <laughs> two point three times every minute. <laughs> I love it. Occasionally, and it's awesome. That's a nice. That's a really nice reference to my podcast. I really appreciate that, Ryan Simister. I haven't, but hey. Tweet like me, birdie boy. Hey, Funny enough, I just listened to him on IHC Red Band. That's good. With Red Band, yeah. I hate what, what's IHC. Uh, Ice House Chronicles. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I do believe in like the collective unconscious because I notice that with artistic ideas all the time. A thing that I literally thought of myself. I'll then an artist that does never see my work doesn't know me will be making almost the same shit at the same time that there is like a collective unconscious. I, I believe, believe that. that is completely happening. You see it with ideas all the time. I mean, there's like four Prefontaine movies that came out in the same. Fucking Remember that? Year. Yeah. yeah. 
you're like okay it's like and and capote and like uh, whatever that that may be money based but like there is that thing where Can like I tell you something crazy please uh i no i tell my russian mob story i mind you i have not told this story it happened probably 20 i'm already uncomfortable i am so afraid of the russian mob are you really they don't fuck around dude no i know i'm well aware of that <laughs> the uh you know how you know they don't fuck around? You never hear of them getting caught. Yeah. They yeah. never arrested. I told that story. That story happened in 95. Right. I told it on R- Rogan's podcast in like probably two years ago. And then as I start telling it on stage, all of a sudden there's a movie about a bachelor party and one of the characters names The Machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> the Rock comes out with a movie called I Am The Machine. Yeah. Uh uh, Bernard Hopkins copyrights the name I Am the Machine. Yeah. And and all, all of a sudden it's like, and I'm like, I thought of this, I did this like 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. And, but the collective unconscious just shows up and all of a sudden it's Well, there's everywhere. like a progression. It's like you can kind of see where fashion goes. Like, right, like, uh, like right now, sweats are very cool. The kids, I live near high school, the kids are wearing cool sweatpants. Really? I think that is a reaction to extremely stiff denim like I'm wearing right now. Where it's like the anti, everything's like an opposite reaction, like an inverse. Yeah. So you see that in art, you see that in stand up. It's like people are tired of nerd culture. People are like, enough, shut up, geek. Like we get it, it's, and and they're like they're in charge now, so they're the new bullies, which is absolutely true. And then people are like, oh, shut up with your nerd shit already. Like, can you just talk about something real? Can we talk about normal life? Like, I don't care how you feel about Facebook. Shut up. Yeah. And it's because anytime there's too much of something, there's all, it's got to be an inverse. It's got to be it, like something to 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 take that away to like. And the move nerd it. culture was the inverse to the nerd culture was the inverse to like maybe eighties comedy that very TV style or even like even like when Dane was ruling to a certain degree. Stand up, but, but also was... I I think it was more a reaction to everyone was trying to get a sitcom. So they're like, here's my family, here's my story. And early alternative comedy was like about anything else. It yep. wasn't super. Per- it was about like here's my views on culture. And I think that was like it's. We're not all trying to sell like here's my wacky life, and so now I think there's like too much that you go see a stand up now and you're like I don't know anything. You're really funny. I laughed out loud at all your observations. I know nothing about you. Yeah, because I just know how you feel about other things, and I want I want both. I don't want one or the other. I want a little bit of both. I want both. I want both. I like I, I like going back to Dana Gould, uh, but like I like I like watching him dissect a joke while telling a joke. Sometimes, yeah. Like one time, I heard him say, say made a joke, and then he did it in an effeminate voice mm-hmm. for a guy, and he goes, "Why am I doing the effeminate voice?" Yeah. Let me tell you why. And then he like broke it down. Yeah. And because in the, and it that was like brain man. He's got a he's got a fucking interesting he's brain. Got a beautiful brain. Kindler, uh, there's a lot of Shit. guys that I could watch. Fucking Kindler was. I did an episode of Marin, and Kindler's a guy that you know doing stand up in L.A. Kindler's just a, a dude. You're like that guy is a voracious joke writer, yeah, who is brilliant. And I was taping an episode of Marin. He's like, "You look familiar," and I'm like, "Oh, it's uh, commercials." And he's like, "Now." And then I mentioned someone's like, "What are you working on?" I go, "I just finished working on Masters of Sex." And he was like, "Oh my god, we love that show! Like my wife, like she's gonna freak out. You're the..." And I was like, "This is so cool that like you think I'm cool right now. This is so fucking great." Yeah, like that's the thing. They're like those. That's that's why I realized I'm fucking lucky as shit. Some bad things have happened to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're, you know, like I had a you you had an even keeled boat ride. I had a dense run of death and f- like financial destruction and like there was, but luckily it happened all together. <laughs> but 
I'm fucking like between being on getting to do what I do for a living and like be, getting to be a comedian and no comedians. I, a friend of mine's just starting stand up, and I was like, "You got to find your group. Your group is the best thing. Hanging out with comedians, you can't really beat it." Uh, it's something I've I've said numerous times. One of the out of all the things I've done, uh, like in my career, and I'll, I'll say my career, like one of my proudest of, and my proudest of having done Letterman or writing a book or right. selling a TV show or being on TV. The thing I am fucking proudest of is the fact that I earned the right to call myself a stand-up comedian. Yeah, then no one can ever take that away from yeah. me. And I'm a I'm in the I'm a member of a very small mm-hmm. subculture of humans. Who are the funniest human beings yeah. in the world? That's it. Brandon Walsh pointed out. He goes, "I'm funny." He goes, "I'm friends with some of the funniest people in the world." You're like, "Holy shit, you're right." Oh, I, I said I, I wrote a thing in my book uh, about my buddy Eddie is hands down one of the funniest human beings you'll ever meet mm-hmm. in, in public. You, if you meet, yeah, I wrote a chapter about him. Right. If you met him, <laughs> you would literally sit there and go, "Holy shit!" Now, none of the rules apply to Eddie. Yeah. So he can use any joke he yeah, wants because yeah, yeah. he's just trying to make you laugh. Yeah. And he will use the joke that you maybe know, but in a nod to the fact that you know that he's doing it. Yeah. And he's doing it in front of you. Like he would use your joke to you in front of a bunch of people. Go ah. And, yeah. But he's that. He's so in control of every situation. And I said, he is one of the funniest human beings I've ever met. And I wrote in the book, and I know the funniest human beings in the world. And then I realized what a statement that was. Yeah. I literally... You know them. I That's know insanity. Them. Yeah. And if I don't know them, I can go introduce myself to them, and they will want to start talking to me because yeah. I'm in that group. Being in... I mean, I'm not as... I'm a comedian. I mean, I yes. think I, I mean, yeah, people think of me as a comedian. I've earned to a certain degree the respect of my peers. Yes, you have. The ones that know me. And and that to me is like the biggest that's what a lot of people at, like especially art-wise. They're like, "Why don't you do like art comedy? Why don't you like do stuff at art galleries and like to, like you should do stand up in a museum?" And I'm like, "No, I shouldn't." Cuz I don't I want to be judged by comedian criteria. Like that, like anyone, I could I could go do stand up in a museum and they would fucking like it or not. Yeah. But like, who gives a shit? <laughs> well, it's what's well, the same thing with being famous. When you watch Chris Rock go up and dial back all his delivery, yeah, it's because he needs these jokes to be judged for what they are, yeah, and not the fact that that Superman's delivering them, yeah. It, but it's like I wanted comedian criteria. Like I was like, no, I don't, I don't want to like combine. Like, People always try, web designers always contact me wanting to build me a website that combines all of your very, like, they want to, like, have this multimedia site that's like, it's like, look, a skate design, and then you're telling a joke, and I'm like, no, 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 literally no. Yeah. Because the comedy thing, it's its its own, there's its own rules. Yeah. And, like, I don't want to be judged on a curve. That's what, I was talking to Josh Adam Myers, because he had a, a really, he had a tragedy happen to him. He was in a car, and our friend Angela Bowers, they had a car accident, Angela died, and it was terrible. But for a while, Wait, him, who's Josh? Adam Josh Adam Myers, the comic. Uh, we just did Montreal last year together. He's a funny dude. I think, and I'm, he was in a terrible car accident. A cab hit him and his I friend. Just heard about this. And yeah, it, Angelo was a comedian, sweetest dude yep, in the world. Yep, Angelo, great okay, joke yeah, writer. Yeah, yeah, I totally know about this. It happened a little while after my dad died. But for a while, I was like, you and me have you and me got get judged on a curve a little bit. Because, like, for a while after my dad died, it was like, no matter what I did on stage, it was like, well, he went through a really... T- yeah. and, and him and I were like, no, 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 just fucking... Just let me tell this, this jokes only. Like, don't judge me on that other shit. Like, you got such a pass for such a long time. And we still get that a little bit. And it's like, I, you want to just be judged on merit. 
And that's what's so great about stand up is you don't get in that. Cl- you do, they they do not let anyone in who they don't who isn't allowed. Yeah, it's fucking serious. They're like, get that fucking no, fuck that guy. Oh yeah, you it's know? very much like because I I don't feel like I like I like I'm not a headliner yet, so like I'm not really in like. Th- I heard a, I'm not going to say his name, but a comedian was like, I only talk to headliners. And there, it, it's different. Did you say who it was? Was it Rich Voss? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no. But it was like, it, it was like, wait, I don't. Wait, tell me off mic who was. Uh, uh, <laughs> 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 that's, that's just the thing I heard. Oh, but that's so him. Headlining is way hard. Featuring's the easiest thing in the world. Oh, fuck. I would love to go back to featuring. Oh, dude, it's the I have the easiest job ever. Featuring is like being white in the 1800s. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, oh, you're shitting me? Yeah, I'm like, gonna, dude, I, I don't have to... Oh, like, so that's the thing. I've headlined a handful of times, and it's so much harder. So, like, until you're... I think until you're... The reason they show up, that's different. There's comedians. Then there's, like, headliners who are a draw. That's fucking... That's... Uh, that's a group that is really small and yeah. really hard to get into. There's a lot of people that are can are, can headline and do a good job over the weekend, but most of the crowds there just see comedy. Yeah. But if you're the reason they showed up, man, that is rare. If you're the reason they showed up, I, I'll tell you what. I'll I'll put it in. I'll even make that group smaller. There's if you're the if you're the reason that fucking thirty percent of them showed up. Yeah. That's a small. I mean, like, just that's successful. Yeah, you know, like, like, it, it's really, it's a small group to be involved in, and then you, and then, and then you think you're involved with it. Like, and I'll put this in perspective, mm-hmm. and I'll, and I'm, I'm, I won't say the guy's name, but it rhymes with Bill Burr, and <laughs> but like Bill consistently is under the impression that that you know, like that I'm doing what he's doing, mm-hmm. that you know, because he's because you know. He's he's not. I don't think he thinks he's as great as he is. I think I, he's, and it's not self-deprecating. No, I, genuinely... I think he's afraid. I think there's a there's a real. And I heard this story that when she, when during the first season of Chappelle show, Chappelle came and headlined the store. He did like two nights in the main room, and I went. I was no. I had just started. I had to pay. To, like I'd pay to get in. Yeah. And it was fucking magical. And Steve Simone told me the story that they're sitting around the table and back with Mitzi. This is when Mitzi still hung out there, and she goes, "I think he might be better than Richard." prior said this to Chappelle and he literally just went like oh man <laughs> like not like oh great just like oh shit that there is a there's a burden to being the best oh. Chris Rock says he goes I don't want to be number one I'm two to five is a crazy nice life do you think that's why so many people compliment each other these days yeah <laughs> Because being the best, first of all, you you know you're only going to be the best for a while. You see that with like a guy like like Cat or Kevin Hart. It's like it's like who's next? He's falling off. Like they want to say that about these people. And there is number three. If you're number if you're number one through ten, you're a millionaire. You have get recognized that perfect amount where you can go out and get attention whenever you want. Oh, wow, this and you is have a, be a fucking fun game. super fun job. But number one, man. Okay, let's rank them. They just right now or right all now, time number one right now just right now right, right now, now number one Bill Burr. Uh, no, but would, how now? How are we? Are we doing writing or are we doing like? Well, Chris Rock's about to do an hour, so who fucking knows? But like Kevin Hart, dude, yeah, is fuck. is literally kind of changing the game because he's yeah. doing movies, yeah, and he's and he's like, and I tell you what, and I, no, I didn't start with Kevin. He started in Philly, Kevin but he, I remember when he moved to New York, fucking a kind of razor sharp. It is on a 
it's like a it's 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 so good. It is. There and is his a laser. commitment. Oh god! I saw him. I saw him. I'm on the treadmill last night, and and he's on. Uh, uh, I forget the name of the special, but it's not the one with the flames behind it. <laughs> it's the one where he's just in black leathers. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, I wish. God, by the way, so by the great. way, fucking. I would love to just have the confidence of black entertainers <laughs> yeah. with wardrobe choices. Oh. I get so worked up, and I end up in the same fucking white uniform, which is jeans and a black collared shirt yeah. and black shoes. Yeah, I've, I've started just doing all black, like a black t-shirt. That don't let everyone know that I don't I don't think I'm too great, but I'm good enough to be there. I like, wish shut I just up. had the confidence of black comedians. Oh, yeah. Like, you look at, like... Eddie Murphy, red leather, bitch. Just look at, like, I mean... Have you did you see the Twitter war that happened between Mike Epps and yeah. Kevin Hart? Yeah, and and I, and by the way, I didn't know if they were joking around or not. I was thinking. I wish there was a font for when beef was genuine yeah. on Twitter, so I knew who was actually mad at each other. I but but the confidence, and and by the way, I'm not meaning this shitty, and I, I only justify that because I don't mean it shitty. But I don't know what, how people read into what I said. Yeah, I said something once about Tom Green, not even trying to be mean at all, and this guy yeah. fucking lost his shit on me, and I was right. like. Oh, I wasn't. I was actually complimenting Tom Green, but yeah. it didn't come out that way. Um, but like, I just want Kevin Hart's confidence. Yeah. Like, like I the book. I'm releasing this next week. The book has come out. Uh, I I'm assuming because I would know by now. To little to none fa- no fanfare. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would probably have an idea if it was going to be a bestseller. Right. Right now, they would give me like a heads up. I think you're going to be a bestseller. Yeah, but it's not. But I'm so self-deprecating yeah. that I'm doing a tour to promote this book. Yeah, and literally, I went through and I was like, the press release after it's been released, and I was like, can we take back some of this stuff? Because I don't want to. I don't want to make it sound like I'm confident. You ever like, hear that? I want to. You ever be- hear that Churchill quote? That uh, what is it? It's uh something in the face of conf- ability. Uh, uh, like. Something in the face of ability is hypocrisy. Like being self-deprecating in the face of your own ability is basically just hypocrisy. Yeah, you're but, fucking but, funny. You know that. Yeah, but, That's the but, thing. If someone told you, if someone tried to get you, you were like, you're not funny, you'd be like, oh, oh, really? Oh, yeah, 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 right. But the second I said, oh, really, I'd probably not be funny There's, anymore. It's that white, white people, I think about this a lot, we're, we're, like being called stuck up when I was a kid was like the worst thing. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, that person's stuck up. And it's like, well... You know, stuck up, Michael Jordan. <laughs> yeah, like, and you, it's, and you need to find that balance. Uh, there's certain because I think there's a certain amount of confidence it takes to like ask for the ball, and like say like, no, I can do this. You know, I see that with the who's always been really good at that is Whitney. Whitney's like, no, give me the like, give me the mic. I'll do it. I'll rewrite your script. I'll have a television show. And it's like, I had a meeting a few months ago. The guys were like, hey, we want to like wrap a show around you. I was like, ah, wrong guy. No, 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 no. You know who you really want to meet? Steve yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, you should talk to Steve Aziz. He's a little bit taller. He has better hair. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's because you're afraid of the... It's all just a f- fear of failure. Because if you give... I said that... I mean, I believe this, too. Is there's a certain... It's one of the reasons I don't combine a lot of the stuff I do. Showbiz is not... It's not the, it's not the meanest business, but it's not the nicest. One day they're done with you. And they put you in the trash. If you gave them everything, all of you is now in the trash. So... Yeah. You don't want to wake up one day and everything about you is in the garbage. So protect some of it. It's like I don't trust NBC. I'm not going to give NBC my paintings and hope they do a good job. Yeah. They're not going to. And not that they all have like evil in mind, but they're not. that's not the business they're in. Yeah. It's like I, it's like I, don't, I, wouldn't, I don't combine the things because I don't think they belong there. 
a lot of the time. It's so that's so fucking interesting. I just don't. Yeah, if you give them all of you, then all of you's in the trash. Because one day, just the nature of business, they're done. It's like Don, who's funnier than Don Rickles? Yeah, Don Rickles isn't dead. <laughs> <laughs> so why isn't he on television every ten seconds? Yeah, Don Rickles is fucking otherworldly funny. I I think I think Kevin Hart. Okay, my friend is my friend Jerry. For he's in uh, Think Like a Man too. Yeah, and it, I, I I drove by the billboard we ate last night. And I go I, and I saw him. I was like, your face is the biggest face on that billboard. He goes, I know. I go, you know why? Racism. <laughs> Kevin Hart star of that movie, but some fucking white executive was like, nah, put the white guy up front. <laughs> well, I think I think they think I think they probably think. They need a crossover. Yeah, they're like, we're gonna get, we're gonna get black audience. We're gonna get black audience. We need, we white, need white ones. White it's like, no, Kevin Hart's and transcended if got, that. If they got Jerry's fan base to yeah. show up, it would fucking be great. But the thing is, like, Kevin Hart was making surprise hits for what five years now. Yeah. How many surprise? How surprised are we gonna get that He's, this dude is gonna have a hit again? I watched his special. I forget the name of it, and and he does a bit about his. He does a bit. It's so interesting the way he's talking. Like it, and and by the way, once again, I love Kevin. I'm yeah. not, but but I'm just pointing out what I noticed. Like he's talking about his manager, and his manager was there before the money. Yeah, and I'm like, that sound like that you uh, you would never hear a white comment. Acknowledge the money. Acknowledge the money. Louis did it once where he was like, I was flying first class, and he starts. He goes, he goes. I mean, he goes. No, you know what? I fly first class all the time. Yeah, because I lead a different life than you. And he met and he made a bit out of acknowledging the money. Yeah. But Kevin didn't make a bit out of it. He goes, he was there before the money. And everyone's yeah. like, Yeah, he's a real person. Before the money. And 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 then he t- and he's talking about his posse. Yeah. He's got his driver, his bodyguard, mm-hmm. his style or whatever, and he's got his wife and his chick. And in the story, he's kicking the dude's ass. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that is so It's different. Un white. I also approach. think it's it's also in a country that still actively tries to oppress black people, it's important to note your own success. Yeah. Like, no, not only am I, not only did I transcend the entertainment business, which is hard, I did it as a black male, which is way harder. No one was giving him the ball. No, I, I had a publicist tell me no one's harder to get on the cover of a magazine than a black male. They I was, don't want to do it. I was sitting with Kevin Bozeman, I think, I'm almost certain is his name. Mm-hmm. He's a comic out of Chicago and he's fucking hilarious. And... We were working one weekend, and he was blowing my doors off the stage. Yeah, from from, from and he's clean, mm-hmm. and we're in we're Yikes. in Schaumburg, Illinois, which is predominantly white. Been there, and he is drove to Gurney to buy porn once. What? I was making a movie in Illinois, and I needed porn. This is back when DVDs were a thing, and I I I the closest porn shop was in Gurney. I drove like sixty miles <laughs> to get porn <laughs> to get porn. So I, yeah, Kevin Bozeman and I are sitting in the back, and I and I don't know if I shared this with him or if I just had this thought and then pretended that I shared it with him. But yeah. I, I'm pretty sure I did. And he wasn't being a dick about it, but he was like, "I wonder why they don't headline me at these clubs while I'm just featuring because I, I think I'm funny enough." And I was maybe I had, it was coming off a compliment I paid him about how funny he was. Yeah, and I was like, and I just realized very quickly in the moment. I think I shared this with him, but. If you put my picture up in front of the improv, you will get just white people. Yeah. White people just Just white go. humans. They'll be like, oh, let's go give it a shot. See yeah. what it is. I, want, I like comedy. Yeah. Let's see if this guy's funny. If you put Kevin Bozeman up. Yeah. And, 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 and he's not even like a, a urban act at all. No. People, and, and I think they like him just as much. People just see the face and they go, oh, it's their night tonight. 
Yeah, and it's they walk still away. it that shit still exists and is still a reason. And I'm guilty of it too. Let me let me like if yeah. I if you if you put a um if you put a picture of a, a um, maybe not because I li- I like hip hop but like if you put a picture of a black musician I might assume it's one type of music. Yeah, and and just because based on color like yeah. that's part of the human experience. No, Neil and I host a show on Sundays with Neil Brennan in Santa Monica, and we were talking like we have a really diverse. Who lineup. just talked about this? Who just talked about this on a podcast? Fitz, maybe? He does it all the time. Yep. It was Fitzsimmons. He was talking yeah. about it with Rogan, and Rogan said he wants to come down and do it. Okay, yeah. It's great. You can do all new shit. We really? encourage it, yeah. It's like, it's a, we kind of are, the structure of our show is headliners working on new shit for their acts. Oh my God, please, I want to go down there. Yeah, all the time. And it's, and, but one of the things, the lady who works our show, Sarah Mello, we have a really diverse lineup. We probably have more black comedians on our lineups than most clubs. Well, Kevin's whole podcast, or not Kevin, uh, Neil. Neil's whole podcast is about yeah. black people. And, you know, it's we're lit- me and Neil are literally proud of it because our shows are fucking great. Yeah. We have all different kinds of comics all the time. And you just, it's it's given me an exposure to a group of comics that I probably wouldn't have met at the comedy store or at whatever other rooms I do because most of the places I go is a bunch of white dudes. Let me, yeah, let me tell and you like, something. Dude, now Roy Wood Jr.? Motherfucker, one of the funniest dudes and a voracious writer. Yeah. Always like, hey, hey, what do you think? Like working on that? He Neil was like, come to our, you can, you can uh, work and do our show every week because he's always coming with new shit. And it's like these are people I would never have met, and they're only being held. They're still literally being held back because of race. Um, you look at look at um, uh, and I'll tell you right now, and I know that we just brought him up, and that he had beef with Kevin Hart, Mike Epps, Mike Epps, hilarious, Mike Epps. I, I, Tony Rock I, Tony Rock's fucking great I party with Mike Epps a bunch in New York and I know he doesn't remember it because I've <laughs> run into him since and he just didn't remember me yeah but uh, I'm sure if I told him the nights he may re- rec- recollect them but uh, I remember watching him on stage and I hung around him a little bit when I was working the door at the Boston Comedy Club Tony Woods him yeah. Greer Barnes uh, Greer Barnes is one of the funniest human beings I've ever seen in my entire life. You ever seen Greer? No. Greer Barnes is one of the funniest human beings in on the fucking planet. Yeah. With the most, you think Kevin Hart's timing's good? Yeah. Greer Barnes, his timing, his body, his 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 uh his commitment to the bit. He would do a bit about scuba diving. <laughs> And he was underwater. Yeah. He was making the noises, and oh, his body man. was moving slow, and just, and then take a hit of a joint underwater, and pass. See, it when to I the see fish. those bits, I instantly think of the first time they did them. I remember oh. I was watching Dalia do a bit, and he's up. He's literally on his head, and some some kid was like, "I mean, does his physical stuff." I go, "Okay." Imagine doing it the first time. Yeah. At the ha-ha. Whereas Chris used to work out a lot. It's like, all right, here comes the point in my bit where I have to stand on my head. Hope it fucking goes well. Because if you bomb that bit, you're upside down. (laughs) You're literally upside down. You have to slowly stand back up. Yeah. When you see someone who has a great physical bit, the balls it takes. There was a a guy, uh, Franz, (laughs) who's out of New York. And I, I, I know his brother's an actor, and they, they're making movies. I don't know. I know he's out in L.A. I ran into him one day. This is, is it Hans in France? No, it's, it, Franz is a black dude. Oh, man. That's Franz great. is a black dude, and he he had this bit that I've never seen a bit kill harder in my entire life, and it was about the Jamaican. There was a Jamaican 
who went on a Long Island Long Island Railroad and he with a rifle and he shot a bunch of people. Uh-huh. And Hans's whole bit was, I just would have played dead. Mm-hmm. I just would have been like, oh no, you shot me, and then just, and then just, he like played dead. And, he, and his whole thing was like, oh, he's still shooting. But he's talking outside of his mouth. And then he's like, oh, he's not looking. And he'd get and he'd slide off the stool. Yeah. And he'd move his body across the stage oh with the microphone in his hand. Just, oh, yeah, no, no, beautiful. no. Just move the arm up. But it was so fucking genius. Just beautiful. And I would sit back there and go, the commitment. Yeah. And when you see something like that, you're like. You're a beautiful little pony right now. Yeah. You're just like this little ballet dancer, clown person, perfect little being. And it's kid, it's childlike. It's like, look at me, I'm wriggling on the ground. Yeah. But combined with an adult brain and adult sense of humor, it's a there's this beautiful meld of both things. I don't have anything physical in my act right now. I try I try to be louder and occasionally just from the standpoint of movement because the type of comedian I am, just anything I can do just to break up the rhythm. Because otherwise, I'm just a, it's like it's like standing there doing word problems. Because those are my favorite comedians aren't like people that just stand there and make observations. Like I want to like I want to see like show me something like perform. I want to see like the because that's when you see the inner child. You know, that's when you see someone's like that's when their heart comes out when they like the getting the thing they can't stop themselves from doing physically is so honest. They're like, no, I gotta dance this part. You're like, really? You gotta like that's so beautiful. You're like, you had to dance oh. that part. You had to let it out. I gotta write this down now because now you're saying this, and I'm like, you know, I've just, I just recently, I, I, uh, I don't know how I, I don't know where this, how I got on this. Um, I, I don't, I don't know where, I don't know where this came from, but just recently I realized, oh, I'm not putting in the work. Mm-hmm. I think it was in in Irvine. I was like. I'm I'm really because I wasn't drinking and I was like I'm I'm really kind of going through the motions of stand up sometimes going to the clubs headlining to, and, and and I think what happened and I think honestly is that the machine story got so big that people were just coming to hear that yeah and so I knew I had to tell that so I would fuck around for my own sake in the beginning of the yeah. show then tell that story and then tell a bunch of stories. And so like to the other day I was like I am not putting in the work I'm not listening to my sets right I'm not. I'm not doing any of the fucking work I, that's necessary to make to be a better comic. Yeah. So I started writing my book, and I was like, I got a new book, and I was like, I'm gonna get a new book. I've had the same book, yeah. literally for <laughs> fucking two years. Yeah. And so I was like, I'm gonna get a new book, and I'm gonna really focus and write. And I was like, all right. And and I was like, and then I'm like, what do I want to write about? And when you just said something physical, I was like, you know what? What if I said to myself, Bert, work on some, try to find something physical. Yeah. Like make a real fi- funny physical bit. You almost think in terms of like, what would I like to do physically? And then yeah. that, and then you're like, okay. Like I remember like Sebastian has that bit where he throws something in Ross. Mm-hmm. I remember years ago, I was like, oh, I want a bit where I throw something like that. I go, it's so fun to watch. And it's just so, so like I had a bit, I wrote a bit about that's how I proposed. I just threw a ring at my, my fiance from like 20 <laughs> yards away. I was just like, Hey, and I just like, so it was literally so I could throw, so I could pantomime, throw something on stage. Yeah. So I was like, that looks so it's like dancing feels good. Like it literally feel, you feel good doing it. It's like this weird natural thing that humans are oddly enough meant to do. So when you're doing those bits, when you let yourself be physical and they work, it's this perfect, like it is a perfect like kid like moment where it's the same. It's that same mechanism as when you're a kid where you're like, "Look at me!" and then you would do some weird physical shit for your parents, and they'd be like, "Good job!" and you were just like bouncing around. Yeah, 
I, now I just realized what I said out loud, and I was like, I have, I have no physical bits in my act. Like, yeah. I'm a fucking wordsmith, and anyone that's seen me live is like, hold on, Bert. Are you talking about the minute you walk on stage, rip your shirt off, and start dancing, kill a beer, then throw it on the ground, and do the rest of your shirt set shirtless? Yeah. Are you talking about that non-physical shit? <laughs> yeah. Fucking the fact that I almost get naked. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I, really I to- realized that the other day. I was like, the act... The the act I'm doing right now regularly, I was like, you have no emotional connection to this anymore. These are thoughts. These are things you cared about a year ago. So what do you care about now? Like I have I have one bit I really like right now. It's, it's somehow combines slavery and pugs. <laughs> and and but it, like it's what I'm thinking about right now or whatever yeah. it is. It's like unless that's I was just talking about this. We were talking about Dom Herrera, and I think that's what's kept him cool. He's a lot older than than a lot of the comics you see him hanging around with or in the clubs, but Dom's still cool because yeah. he never stopped writing jokes and doing new shit and also hanging out and being a part of the culture. There's a danger in like success where you you stay off the streets in a weird way, yeah. which is that's what's so great about being a comic is on any given day you could just go you could go hang out at the comedy store tonight. Everyone would be like, "Yay!" I went I went one night I went one night to do the Kill Tony. Yeah, and I literally hung out and I had such a fucking great time. Yeah, and it's was, like. It's like nourishment in a weird way because you're just a part of, you're just a part of everyone's you feelings don't need to do a and their set. thoughts. You just go and get some beers. Yeah, someone's I went always... and fucking bombed. There's six people there on Monday. I ate it with this new bit about pugs, and then I went up and watched the Kill Tony podcast, and I hung out on the porch with Jesus Trejo and fucking oh, Simone. I want to do the Kill Tony podcast again. I had so much fun doing it. It's so that. fun, but it's just a part of that. That's the thing. It's it's the it's the being a part of the group that keeps you. Like like invigorated, it's going around to like the other clubs, and when you go to these other places and doing and performing, it's very very fun, and you get it from the audience. You kind of get that feeling, and it, you can feel invigorated. But it's that hanging out with your friends who you feel comfortable with, the comedians. That's why I like doing the Ice House Chronicles. Yeah, is you go there, and it's like everyone's fucking having a good time. There's a mm-hmm. little bit of ball busting, and you go into a room where everyone wants to see you succeed. All your friends. Yeah. So no one's fucking stacking. The show so that you suck. It's just like, all right, you go on. There is a like a there's there's a, a real stand up is in a great place right now. I think so. Where at, you can be any kind of stand up you want. You can find your own little following, and you can just do your thing. It's just that's that's the thing. It's like you can do what kind of art, any kind of art you want. You can do any anything you want. It's great. Gonna, and there's I, like gonna, money I'm, to be made. I'm gonna pay. I told Fitzsimmons I'm gonna give him five thousand dollars to go over my next hour with me, and just sit, sit. Yeah, five shows. Going to come five shows. Watch me work five different times, and at the end, give me notes and tell me what to get rid of. I do of. that for people. When my friends have an hour, they go, they come, or they'll take me on the road, and like for the purpose of like, you're going to watch my hour. We're going to sit and work on it. Yeah. If I got an hour special right now, I would, I would take the money they paid me, and I'd hire three of my friends. I'd be like, guess what today is? It's make Kevin's hour perfect. Yeah, that's what we're going to do. Like my last just, hour, I just got it. I was like, okay, that's an hour of material. We're good. Yeah. I was like, I didn't rewrite it. I didn't rework it. If it wasn't broke, I wasn't. That's it right there. It's my set list is right there. Yeah. <laughs> that's I want to. I wish I. I want to do a book of comedian set lists. They're always so interesting looking. Well, you know, Jay you Larson's know, are crazy looking. Really, all these little boxes and doodles and stuff. They're sweet looking. Um, well, it's interesting because sets aren't that interesting. <laughs> no, um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> by the way, you can't melt there, those two. There's are there's are there are certain people I like to. I will fuck with. If their names come up, Eddie Ift is always my go-to. Yeah. If someone brings up Eddie, I always pretend that I th- that I don't find him funny. I, I think Eddie do that with great. Ari all the time. Not so much that he's not funny, 
but it's just that he's just a he's not a good person yeah and that he's a human garbage and that he's just selling garbage to the world <laughs> what about wait you know you know do you know who russman eve is uh-uh. russman neve interestingly enough all his set lists are drawn set lists are drawn in art huh and that's how he re- remembers yeah. the bit is he sees something and he's like oh clown oh yeah, i know clown. that bit I did. I find that stuff fast. It's a, that's the thing. It's all the same gear. So wait, you know it's so fascinating that I, I'm sure everyone probably already knows, but you, but you do all Ari storytelling posters. Yeah, I did all the storyteller posters. That's great. Do you do, do you ask for anything? Like, do you not? I mean, no. you, no, not not for money. But I mean, like, do you ask Ari to give you some insight, or do you just do it? He usually actually the fun part of that is uh, Ari and I kind of collaborate on the idea which i can tell he really enjoys yeah he'll be like it's this theme and i'll be like well, what about this i'll be like how like uh there was one that was like revenge so i was like how about a, a, a hunter being skewered by a deer's antlers and he was like cool can it be like this and like he'll add a thing and i'm like yeah we'll add that or like oh it'd be cool if this so we kind of kind of talk back and forth a little via text and then i then i do it and then he changes all the names four hours before i have to finish it <laughs> oh yeah i was on one of those i you sign it and then he raffles it away which one were you on i have no idea okay um it was probably something to do shitting or road shitting, stories road or... stories yeah road stories that i hope it wasn't the poster i'm thinking it was my least favorite six five i get nervous answering phones oh dude no I'm, i see a phone number yeah and i'm like huh. i'm afraid of my phone on the reg like i don't like it i think it's todd glass <laughs> well, I'd answer it if it was Todd Glass, but I'm not certain it is, and I don't want to get. I don't want to be like, hey, how's everyone? I'd answer it in a heartbeat if it was Todd Glass. Yeah, he leaves the fucking best messages in the world. Oh, you think you're fucking Todd r- Glass? Let's, let's listen to a Todd Glass message, and this is how much fun it is to get a message from he Todd Glass. He is just pure funny. He is. He is a child spirit. He is purely funny all the time. I mean, when he was on Last Comic Standing, it was the best. Uh, I did. That season I mm-hmm. did with him, and I get got to like the semi finals, right. and just being around him, mm-hmm. he was so funny yeah. and so on all the time. This is Todd's messages. Hang on, he's just like you're like oh you're you know who's like that too David Allen Greer. Here wait, hold on. <laughs> oh my God, you must be rich. <laughs> Don't have to say, I'm out of the country. Don't leave a message. I- I'll be back. Email me, please. Hang up before it reaches 60 seconds or I get charged. I'm, a- I'm roaming. I'm- don't hang up now. Don't even wait for me to finish talking. I- don't. This message goes on for another four fucking minutes. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That, this, the lifestyle you just played your phone. Got your Rolex. <laughs> made of gold. Mine's made of steel. Yours is made of gold. I got one of those, too. Yeah, yeah. All right, calm down. With a two-tone day chest, you still have that? Uh, yeah, yeah. Fuck Do you have yeah. another one? Uh, no, just those two. And then... Okay. Uh, and then. Uh, By the way, I, mean, I have a day chest also, so calm down. It's a good... No, it's a good... Yeah, the two-tone's nice. Yeah, that was my that was my first watch. Yeah. Uh, my, dad, my dad gave it to... Not to... But my dad gave it to me when he thought he was dying. <laughs> That that sounds really weird. And yeah. by the way, I don't want to talk about the loss of your dad. Okay. So, like, if anyone's like, "Hey, how come Bert Hagen brought it up?" Because I, I listen to it, and it's you heartbreaking. Listen to, and it's, listen to WTF. Yeah, listen to Mark Marin's. You talk about it. It's very honest, and it's but it's like that's it's not my podcast. No. Like, I'm not that kind of. We're not going to learn anything new about it. There are no new developments. No. Yeah. 
<laughs> there are no new developments. Um, uh, yeah, it's I, you know, it it ha- it's going to happen to everyone at one point. One yeah. point, I'll mm-hmm. die, and my kids will deal with it. And, mm-hmm. and it's just one of those things that the 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 inherent sadness in life is that yeah, this doesn't go on forever. It's the catch twenty two of life is every literally everyone you know will die. It's just like I remember my first TV show got canceled. Yeah, and uh, Mark Mark uh, not Mark Marin Mark. Uh, Mark Cronin was like, uh, oh, buddy, you got to get used to this. They yeah. all get canceled. I mean, I remember the first time I got fired. It was, uh, I was, I was the guest starring on Yes, Dear. And Billy Gardell, actually, that day was talking about, he was talking about talking to his dad. He was like, yeah, I got fired from a thing. And I started to explain to him what they tell you. He's like, oh, that wasn't right. He's like, ah, bullshit. You got shit canned. You're off your game. And he was yeah. like, yeah. And then I got fired like four hours later. Are you serious? Yeah. And I was like, well... And then, uh, and then, like, I got fired again, like, six months later, and it really shook my brain. But it was like, all right. And then I talked to him. I was like, oh, yeah, you're not a fucking real – you're not in show business, so you've been fired a couple times. Oh, yeah. Because you got to get over it. I mean, I've seen people get re- – I've seen people get fired at table reads. I was once flanked by two people who both lost their job at a table read for serious? a pilot. Yeah, and you can feel it happening. It's just part of it. You, Chris Rock said it in some interviews. Like, you're always auditioning all the time. Yeah. There is no relax. In that, there's no relax. I mean, yeah. I remember well, I met George Lopez at a table read 15 years ago, and he was talking about taking Mencia out as a feature, and how this young kid Carlos was kicking his ass on stage, and he's like, "I had to fucking wake up because this guy was killing me." Really? Yeah. It's never, it, you know, it never goes away. I mean, every once in a while, I'll be featuring for someone. If I don't know him, I'm like, you know, what I'm gonna do tonight. Make it a little hard. That's an oh, that's a, that's a that's a that that. If by you're the not way, nice to me, <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a wake up call when you when you have a hard time following someone. Yeah, and you're just like motherfucker. Yeah, that's why I bring Fultron on the road with me. <laughs> zing zing. Fultron can still heel flip. He can land a heel flip today. Yeah, he can. Fucking crazy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I did. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. Motherfucker yeah. can heel flip. Yeah. I I meant to tell you this. I never. I got distracted. Listening to you, what kind of podcast is this? Um, also, I took my shirt off. I uh, I I started skateboarding again at like twenty at thirty years old. Yeah, I went out and got a got a small board and I started just straight up skateboarding. Mm-hmm. Me and my buddy Croy, and we were like, "Fuck it, let's do this. Let's just get small boards. Let's learn how to do kickflips. Yeah, let's learn how to do ollie. Let's start with ollies. I never even yeah. got learn how to ollie." But like, and then I was like, and then let's take them to bars. And we went to the snake pit, and the woman took my skateboard away. She's like, "You are too drunk to be skateboarding." She's like, "You're gonna break an arm, and I'm not letting you do this." When I was a kid, and I used to skate the pipeline in Upland, there was a guy who was 60 years old, and he really? would skate. Yeah, I just there was a video that got posted online the other day. It's a guy, and he's in this like Northern California, and he just started skateboarding. He's 65. Holy shit! And he's clearly done a lot of yoga, and he just has this flowy style I need where to he do skates some fucking poles. yoga today, dude, and fucking. As soon as I'm done with this next job, I'm going to pick up my board and go skating. It's fucking, it's vital. And not, I'm not trying to do tricks, but just the movement. Just the flowing, it, it puts you, you can't focus on anything else because you will eat shit. Oh, I take, I take my longboard and I, I stand Isla at the toe. Yeah. And I hold her fingers mm-hmm. and we'll go and we'll just cruise and she loves it. It feels great. And I mean, like I did, I've gotten much more into skateboarding in like the last year because I did skate designs for this company. What which, company? Toy Machine. Okay. And which was, that was like the best. I can't even really describe what, how great, that was like some childhood dream shit. Like when I went, I went to the factory, I told them they could pay me in decks, which is so dumb. But like, so I was going to get 80 of them. And when I went to go pick them up, like I put them in my car, 
and then I just sat there and wept. Because, yeah. like, I was, you don't, let's, I was like, no, you don't get, I was trying to explain it to a girl, I was kind of, I was like, you don't, like, you don't understand. Like, this is, when I was 12, I was like, I, if I could ever get a drawing on a skateboard, that would be fucking it. Yeah. So to, like, and for a, Toy Machine's one of the coolest, co- I was like, this is fucking crazy. Like, that's the, I, I'm, I, I don't want to get over that shit. Yeah. Like, it was like, when did, when do you get, like, something like that at, at like, my age? To have like a experience like that, it was so fucking great. I couldn't even handle it. And then I went. I drove from San Diego, where I got the boards, to uh, Huntington Beach, where like the guy who owns the company, Ed Templeton, he's a really famous skater. I was like, we're going to put together the Ed Templeton design, and then you're going to do a trick, Ed Templeton, on your Ed Templeton board. I'm going to film it with my fucking phone. <laughs> <laughs> like this is so. And I did. I was like, this is so fucking great. Like this is craziness. Yeah. And like that's. And, and honestly, the reason I got to do that was from being a stand-up. Really? A, I could draw. I became friends with Ed. Ed and his wife like stand-up, so they go see, anytime I'd, they go see it all the time, and they found out I was a comedian, they'd go see me, and they would read my Twitter on road trips. Your and his, Twitter is fucking... By the way, I don't think I posted... I don't think I did enough justice by going, yeah, you got a really funny Twitter. Oh, thanks. Your Twitter is fucking hilarious. I really Twitter's really fun to me still. And, uh, and they would read their, my Twitter on road trips... And sh- and his wife Deanna was like, "Why don't you have Kevin do like a series of designs based on Twitter jokes?" It's like that because we were talking about maybe me doing something. She's like, "You should do a, a series based on Twitter jokes." And I was like, "Oh fuck, it's a good idea." And that so that's why I got I was able to do it. Well, how did you do that? I just took we I like probably took two hundred jokes. I sent them to Ed. I was like, "Pick twenty you like, and then I'll pick the ten I like the best, and the ones I thought could come up with like justified the best imagery yeah. or were like inspired good imagery." And then we just weeded it down, and then I did the designs. And then I just did the drawings. And All right, I'm seeing if I can pull up some of your Twitter jokes. There's got to be am like. Am I good today? I didn't do. All I did today was therapy set list. I did therapy set list. Every set. time, every every time I go to therapy, I do a set list. It's, it's nice that you go Kevin Christie art, Kevin Christie comedian. Yeah. Oh, I did therapist set. Ten hilarious tweets from comedian Kevin Christie. Really. Oh, yep. yeah, I, I think I know who put that together. <laughs> I don't care what my tattoos will look like when I'm old. If someone wants to see my body at that age, they've made the mistake, not me. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. You're gross. <laughs> I also want background checks for buying an acoustic guitar. <laughs> women, women are portrayed worse in yogurt commercials than in porn. <laughs> That's absolutely true. Have you ever seen in yogurt commercials, they're so pleased, they're like... They, they, in, they make them seem like they're so dependent on the taste of this yogurt. They're like, oh, I had an eclair yogurt today. Like, <laughs> yeah. your life is so sad that that's all you have? Like, no, you have way more going on than this. Whatever I see a hitchhiker, this is great. <laughs> I think they're giving me the thumbs up for being too smart to pick up an obvious murderer. <laughs> that was one of the skate designs. Oh, really? So that one, it's one of the characters of the company. He's holding his thumbs up, but there's a knife in his hand. And he's the devil, and there's blood like dripping off the knife. Oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's fucking. And I put great. The, the jokes on like the top of the board and the graphics on the bottom. Oh, that's fucking. Great. Yeah, like they let me put the joke on top, which they cost them extra to do separate screens for the top of the boards. Oh, really? Like it was fucking. I couldn't. It's like that's some shit. Like if someone would have told me that when I was a kid, I'd be like, "You are mean for lying." Like, no, you're going to be a comedian, and then as the cool skate company is going to let you combine your jokes and your drawings, and then they're going to make skateboards. And, like, when they came out, they came out maybe six months ago, I would search online, 
and like I on Instagram and I'd see dudes like new I w- there was a, like a video of a kid kick flipping on one of my boards like got this new toy machine set up like that's fucking insane to me yeah or like the pros who the guys who skate their own deck like that's I can't even deal with it because when I think about the way the what those the role those boards and those graphics played in my life as a young kid like my parents or my dad taking me to a skate shop me going I want the Tony Hawk board getting it and just staring at it yeah i used to just stare at the gra- there was what a ray- was that graphic of tony hawk it's like it the, was a hawk skull, a hawk skull iron cross behind it yeah but then also uh, for my birthday i it was for my birthday i got the ray barbie palboard which is a ragdoll drawing yeah i remember that but, and and i couldn't unless I, it was contingent on a report card or something i couldn't keep it if I, I if i got no f's or something i got shitty grades yeah and and but my still knew where it was so I, my parents would leave the house i'd take it out of the closet and i would just stare at it I would just stare at the graphic because oh, the draw. So it was this guy Sean cool. Cliver drew it, and the gra- I was like, "This drawing is so." I would just draw it and draw it and draw it and draw it. I would just look at these graphics like I can't even deal with how cool these are. Those PAL graphics, those Santa Cruz graphics, GNS, Zorlac, Pusshead, all those guys. You just look at those graphics, Vision Streetwear, and you'd be like, "I can't even." I don't know how to make this yet. <laughs> That's the thing. I would look at it and I'd be like, I yeah. think I'm a person who can make this stuff, but I don't know how yet. And so it's so fucking great. You'd look at the color and you were like, and it's a skateboard. You'd go rip on it. Yeah. And then you see some guy ripping on a piece of art. It's like a guy surfs on a painting. You're just like, what the fuck? This is too good. I remember when I got my first surfboard, I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. What are you talking about? What size board? Yeah. Look at the design. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are you kidding me? That's the thing. It's, they go together. And they go, they go together more than just the fact that it's on the board. It's all part of the culture. It's all the thing. Each company has its own style. Each company has its own feel. Their writers have their own feel. Are they dirtbags? Are they fancy? Are they making money? Are they like guys in a van? It's, the, it's so similar to stand-up. I wanted to... I, I, I want to... Um, I, I, I definitely was... I, I, I'm trying to think of the right way to say this. I definitely think when I look at like comedians... I think they could have a shirt that is them. Like, a, yeah. like that's the closest you can get is a shirt. I was talking to Jesus Trejo, and he was like, I think I want to do a shirt for when I do gigs. I was like, you should. And then he was like, I, I did some drawings to think of what I might look like. And I looked at the drawings. I was like, you should use your own drawings. Yeah. I was like, they're fucking cool. Yeah. They're unique to you. And like someone will feel like they're buying a piece of you as opposed to if I do it, it'll just be my version of your version. Did you do Ari's shirt with the acid on the tongue? No, that was uh, Mike Maxwell. Oh, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know I Mike. So. He's super good. Yeah, he's really good. I can't fucking use the computer to make art. I don't know how. So, like, when people need, like, a quick turnaround T-shirt, I literally don't have the ability. So, wait, what do you do? You just I just draw do everything it? by hand. And then you go here and take I this? Can co- I colored the toy machine decks in the computer. It took me... I could have painted them ten times in the time it took me to do Are it in the computer. Serious? In fact, when I took them to Ed to show him... I took him the files. He he opened them up, and you can like seal layers. He's like, "What the fuck is going on here?" I I was so bad at Illustrator, the program, that I the th- I just had to keep going over the top of things, fixing my mistakes. He was like, "These are a fuck." Like they worked. He's like, "These are a crazy mess." Yeah, because I just didn't know what I was doing. And now the program changed. I still I don't know how to do it again. I have to relearn the next for the next graphics I do. It's so funny. I wanted I was gonna have my daughters just draw a bear. I'm obsessed with this bear. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't think I have it on my phone anymore. Have them draw bears, man. Don't but be I, fucking sweet. I just sweet. traced one, and my wife's like, "I like that one the best." The one I traced, I was like, "I think you might have to go." I think that was the problem with uh, with what's the street art guy <laughs> with uh, Obey, uh, the guy. Yeah, he did, the, he did the. Uh, he, he borrowed a AP photograph of our president. Well, he got in trouble because he lied. 
Really? And the, the, the copyright infringement is the one you make multiples. You can do something once and, and you get away with it fine. Like he could have taken that guy's photo, blown it up, sold it in the gallery, and yeah. got away with it. But it's when you make multiples and sell them. That's where the guy was like, hey, man, you're making money off this, which he was. Yeah. Those posters were expensive and they sold out quick. Yeah. But then he lied in court. He, oh, he didn't did? go to jail. What did he say? He just he said like I didn't know. He just lied about I think his awareness or whether or not he knew or whatever. Oh. Just, he's lied. Yeah, but he I didn't... traced a bear off the internet and it looked really cool. It's good. There's like, copyright what? free. Why do I have a fucking walkie talkie? <laughs> Is anyone hearing this? <laughs> My daughters got me walkie talkies so we could communicate. Yeah. And and but apparently they turned one on. Yeah. I'm gonna maybe I'll just have Isla. Isla's got an interesting brain. You know what she did? You guys should I collab. I don't know if I I don't know if I have it. Um. I was. Yesterday I'm signing books and mm-hmm. Isla said I want to sign some. Yeah, I was like, well, Isla, I don't think anyone really wants your signature. She was like, no, <laughs> can I draw pictures? I was like, yeah. sure, why not? Yeah. So she drew like, she drew crazy fucking pictures in mm-hmm. all these books, and I just sent them out. I was like, all right, guys, this is a picture from Isla, dude. And that shit, you can't. Kids' drawings, I will look at them all day. They're yeah. way better. That's yeah. the. I mean, here you know what? When, we, when I take you back to the house, I'll show you some of Isla's drawings that Leanne's put up because Leanne's like, these are fucking sick. Yeah, that's the thing. You should definitely, if you have access to kids' drawings, you should use them. I'm gonna fucking steal off Isla. Stuck in, you, pay dude, for her college. Yeah, she's not going to college. What are we talking about? <laughs> sell T-shirts with her drawings that will send her to college. Yeah, you could thoroughly, you could easily do that. You have a large enough fan base, and that's by the way hilarious. Yeah, these are shirts. This is the Isla Chrysler. It's like special. what we were talking about with Fitz, like his kid not thinking he's cool. It's like yeah. the minute your kid, you're like, you really, I'm so cool. I used your shitty kid drawings to send you to college. I'm so cool. You'll never be punk. You said that yeah. out there, and I was like, that's so fucking great. I mean, I'm such a good fuck. I'm so cool. You'll never be punk. Hip, Fitz told me him and his kid make skateboards by hand together. Yeah. You know, what's the kid gonna rebel against? And I remember back when I first started doing stand up, Damon Wayans was in the store. Making fun of Damon Wayne Jr. at the time because he got arrested for like stealing. He's like, motherfucker, we're rich. Yeah. He's like, what? He's like, you're going to pretend you're in a gang? We live in Beverly Hills, man. <laughs> and he was clowning who's now Damon Wayne Jr., who's a fucking hilarious actor. Yeah. And, a, and also a good dude. But yeah, it's like, what's, what's Fitz's kid pissed about? His hilarious. It's like, <sighs> I have fans, motherfucker. A lot. That's like a lot of fans. Let's think you have a lot of fans. <laughs> God. Like, Dad, you suck. Do I? Go on the internet and check. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. <laughs> In fact, I'm beloved. I'm respected and beloved by my peers and the public. <laughs> I'm known as authentic, smart, and like I'm a voice of my generation. What do you, you do today? When you go to college, your kids are going to want to get drunk with me. Your friends are going to yeah. want to get drunk with me. They're going to want, by the way, your friends are going to, some of your friends want to hang out with me, not you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. What fucking time is it? All right, I gotta go pick up my kids. All right, cool. Uh, that was a good. That was a good hour forty-five. Look at the hummingbird. Oh, the hummingbird comes in and flies in here sometimes, and then flies out. Just find out dragonflies live. So wait, where's your, hours. where's your, where's your, your Neil's room? Uh, so Westside Comedy Theater in Santa Monica. Westside Comedy Theater. I gotta do it, dude. Anytime. Uh, so you know Sarah Mello? She works. The, I'll get you at some. You should yeah, I'll, I'll give you. I gotta. I'll make sure you get my number. I'll okay. text you and because I want to do that. I'm fucking. Dude, it's great. Roy's there all the time now. I host it every week. Oh, so nice. fuck, and literally the green room is like a writer's room. We just sit and help each other. It's great. <sighs> so I'm so fucking. I mean, last that. last time I was there, I was out of town, but la- it was me, Suli McCullough, Roy Wood, 
Michael Palisak, and we literally, it was like a writer's room where it was like, I got this thing, what's it? And we're just helping, Neil was helping each other. Oh, please. It's fucking magical. It's a magical, magical environment. What, uh, what's, uh, what's your Twitter? At, at, at Kevin, Kevin G. Christie. At Kevin G. Christie what's on the Twitter. What's stand for? Gordon, my middle name. Gordon? Yeah. Um, you got anything else? What's uh, your podcast? Podcast, Occasionally Awesome, with Nick Youssef on uh, All Things Comedy. Perfect. Please listen. Please listen to my podcast. Uh, do one better. Go listen. Rate review. Rate review. We just our last episode was Tripoli talk about his album. Oh, fuck and then before love. that we had an art episode. I go through the artists I think are ripped off too much. Really? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Who's the number one of all time? That ripped off the most. Warhol. Oh yeah. Bunch of lazy fuckers just taking a screen print of Marilyn Monroe or a famous person and m- fucking with the color, degenerating. I mean, at least right now because it's easy to rip off. Yeah, he's ripped off a ton. Um, I feel like Warhol. Um, you, know, you want it, by the way? If you ever want to get Dove David off mad, tell him you love Andy Warhol. Really? Goes into a like a Tasmanian devil. He freaks really? out. He's he hates Warhol so voraciously he can't take it. Why? I don't know. <laughs> Dub's a really fucking fascinating dude. He's fascinating, dude. He gets so mad. I mean, I'll be standing at the comedy store, and out of nowhere, like, I'll have not spoken to him yet. I'll not know he's there. He'll be like, and another thing about Warhol and why he's a fucking piece of shit. I'm like, oh, hey, Dev, how's it going? Because <laughs> he's been stewing all day. About Warhol. <laughs> yeah, Basquiat ripped off a ton, too. Um, uh, I appreciate you doing this, man. Thank, thank you very you much. Thank you me so much. This was so fun. This is a fucking blast. I yeah, thank you. Uh, go see his, go to, to his podcast, listen to it, rate, review, uh, Westside Comedy. Westside Comedy Theater, Sunday nights, 9 p.m. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.